Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Murph and Fred, back together again, again. on ESPN 1000. How you doing, everybody? Murph and Fred, busy three hours, back local here in Chicago. Glad you're with us. This is Fred's kind of weather. I just know it, right? Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> and, you know, it's nice to see because when people ask you what you did uh-huh. last summer, you can just say, well, it was hmm. only three days long. So let me see here. <laughs> uh, I, I sweat one day. I cut the grass the other day and I went yeah. to the pool the third and then, then fall set in. And uh, that's where we're at right now. You sweat one day, and, and then you uh, cut the grass. But you didn't sweat the day you cut the grass. No. Okay. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Not that day. Busy day. Jesse Rogers in uh, one hour. Uh, we're going to get uh, in about 30 minutes. Yes, believe it or not, some new developments overnight. Cavs, Warriors. We're tired of that. No, no, no. No suspensions, new things coming down, and a great soundbite. Miss a little, miss a lot. Jeff Van Gundy here yesterday, ESPN 1000, with some great stuff. Going to touch on the Bears along the way. Plenty of baseball, Cubs and Sox, with uh, Eric Ostrowski alongside. EO 11. EO 11. Let's take a look at the uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group poll for today. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to like this one. Which, A, B, or C, multiple choice, which rule is more confusing? A, NFL catch rule. B, MLB takeout slide rule. NBA, the charge block rule. Okay. Which is more confusing. Yeah, well, I didn't know what word to use, which is more difficult to understand, which is the worst, which is the best. Maybe confounding. Oh, that was... Rebel Hundley. Happy yeah. birthday yesterday to Randy <laughs> Hundley. I loved his old interviews with Vincent Liu and oh, It was confounding <laughs> out there. Never swore in his life. Uh-huh. But he had all the words right about like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was, <laughs> it's been an interesting week with rules and slides. Yeah. And you get, the, you get the picture for the uh, Pirates with a tremendous pop-up slide. Mm. Just kind of got in the way of uh, well. Javi Baez a little bit and slid a little bit late. We'll get to but that. that. We'll, we yeah. will get to that. <laughs> I will just say, having not been able to uh, be on the radio, which is fine, but that means I got to build up everything. Both the slides were illegal, and no one knew anything about them. Those umpires, the, they're going to have to have reviewers to review the reviewers. Well, right? you know, last night, right before I did the show, I did with Chris Black. I'm upstairs listening to the Cubs and the Mets, and I hear Len Casper say, well, you know, Jim... They should just put a fifth umpire up in the press box and have him watch it and then just call down and have the and correct the calls and this way there'd be no review and I'm going I'm Len, Hubner. Len, I've been saying this for four years. I'm glad you're coming around to my way of thinking. It's the easiest thing in baseball. Rob Manfred, <laughs> if they would listen to our show here on Saturday mornings, nine to noon, they would know just stick your fifth umpire up there. There's no reason that to build a million dollar <laughs> facility in Secaucus or wherever you are in New York. And you'd be able to get everything right. There'd be no delays in games. New it Jersey. so simple. So simple. Secaucus, New Jersey, uh, maybe. Right. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, wherever it is. Who cares? Wherever it is. New York, New Jersey. And we will not retread all the ground right here. But I will say this. Not one umpire knew about the veering out of the baseline, uh, Rizzo. Not one manager, not one umpire, not one of the review people, not one of the media people covering, not the announcers doing the game, the fans. Nobody knew. Because two years ago, they installed that rule in, like, November, December. 
no one even knows about it. You can't veer out of the line. And then the pitcher, Musgrave, who then yeah. came in, he Musgrove, was talking yeah. about Musgrove, barreled in, and Baez, like, goes, what are you doing? He slid and tumbled, whatever you want to call it. Past the base. Past the base, which yeah. is automatic. And Jim Deshaies, the only guy that knows, it seems, what's going on, on TV, as soon as Musgrave, Musgrove, whatever, rolled past the bag and lost contact, only Jay, Jim Deshaies goes, Automatic double play. That's a double play. That's a double yeah. play. And I think Len had no idea what he was talking. Yeah. Nobody did. He's right. No one called it. Yeah, he but, was right. You're not supposed to slide past the base. And without rules, as Kramer chaos. and Seinfeld, there's chaos. There's chaos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about See it. See if you can pull that up. It's on Google there. There was a lot of chaos this week. Yeah, without rules, there's chaos. Yeah. So around 930, we'll touch on some new developments of the uh, Golden State-Cleveland uh, final couple seconds of regulation. Crazy uh, new uh, decisions on whether or not the suspensions have come down. But let's take a look at exciting baseball last night on both sides of town. You know, I've been waiting. I, you, I've seen you for about an hour. I have not heard one thank you yeah. from you yet. Oh, well, you know, it's Every coming. Cub fan should thank the White Sox. Well, as a matter of fact, I just talked to uh, EO11. And I said, Eric, be ready, because uh, last night, White Sox come from behind to beat Milwaukee. That's first right. place Milwaukee. Cubs come from behind. The Sox were down 3-0. The Cubs were down 2-0. The Cubs come from behind, pick up a victory 7-4 over the Mets. So what you're saying, Fred, correct, the Cubs pick up a game. The second place Cubs now three back, not four back. So what every Cub fan, Fred's right, That's right. should be uh, uh, doing to every Cub fan should be singing all weekend. White Sox! White Sox! Go! Go! go White Sox! Come on, Cub fans! Knock out those brewers! They smell like bad cheese. Come on, Cub! Cub fans are rooting, rooting for the White Sox! Plus, I love this song. Even as a Cub fan... I gotta say, this is almost as good as Hey Hey Holy Mackerel. Well, almost, I love this song. So much better than Go Cubs Go. Um, <laughs> but you think about it right now. Milwaukee's got something against playing a team with Chicago on their uniforms because now mm -hmm. Milwaukee is one and eight this year against a, a Chicago team. The Cubs have beaten them. Actually, they're that's right, one and eight. The Cubs are seven and one against them, and right. now the White Sox are one and zero oh against them. So Milwaukee does not like coming south of uh, Milwaukee yeah. to uh, you know to come on into the state and play the uh, White Sox and or the Cubs. So if the results can continue Saturday and Sunday, Sox knock off two more. Cubs uh, can knock off the Mets. The Cubs will be one game back. Of uh, Milwaukee. They're going to need it because Cubs got a rough schedule oh. coming up next week. Philadelphia's coming to town. They're, they're lucky they're going to miss Jake Arrieta, it looks like. But if that's the case, that means you probably will not miss Aaron Nola. Is that, Aaron Nola yeah, is really tough. good. So I wonder, did uh, Darvish, uh, you know, the Darvish don't want to pitch at home uh, thing happen to uh, <laughs> uh, Arrieta? I don't want to pitch in Chicago. No, I don't think no, so. No, As a matter of fact, he pitched, I want to say it was last Wednesday, this past Wednesday. So he would miss, he'll pitch Sunday, mm -hmm. unless there's a rain out or something. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good series next week when Philadelphia comes to town. Three three two three seven seven six. Murph and Fred vote right now. Which rule is more confusing? Our Twitter poll, A, NFL catch the ball rule, uh, MLB, the takeout slide rule, or C, NBA, charge block rule. Oh, quick, speaking of you, Darvish, then we'll take a look at the two games last night. You could have just said speaking of you. I know, but yeah. I would have been talking to you. <laughs> 
So did you see Mark Gonzalez had a little scooperoo? Maybe uh, it's can... hard to see Mark Gonzalez. He's lost so much damn I've weight. Heard, I've heard. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, Jesse, I'm sure, will have this at ten. Jesse Rogers on the road in New York. He was in Central Park, uh, not Central Perk, Central Park yesterday, hanging like a, I see where all the Seinfeld stuff was here, up on the upper, upper east, west, north, whatever they call it, side. Yeah. Earlier in the week in Pittsburgh, he was riding a bike around Pittsburgh, yeah, the greater Pittsburgh area. Yeah, ran into, he said, I ran into one of the ball players. I go, oh, great, another guy in the DL. Thanks, Jesse, that's <laughs> terrific. No, Mark Gonzalez, Gonzo, Marcus, Hugh Darvish, was first, did you see this little note? Buried. You Darvish first was expected to at least join the Cubs, you know. Right. He's on the DL, but join the team to be with the team or whatever, medical or workout or. Darvish was first expected to join the Cubs earlier this week in Pittsburgh. Okay. Now, they don't know when he will be joining the team and, uh, Gonzo, you know, I could only speculate. Does that mean that there's a second report or medical report or something else? That's just speculation. But the facts are, they first said he'd be there traveling with, and, uh, you know, now he's not. Did you think his, uh, his, uh, his buddy, his pal, who is called up now, Chris Jimenez or Jimenez, however you pronounce it, um, saying that basically, uh, you was, uh, he was he was uh, upset the way that the fans and everybody was handling uh, his struggles. Do you think that made you uh, Darvish more of a sympathetic figure or more of a well, I can't say the other word, but uh, more of a guy that's uh, that fans are not sympathetic about? Well, you know what's interesting is, and I I know that you are a stickler. You sort of misquoted it. He never said that you Darvish said. I think the fans hate me. He he said, I think he feels the fans hate him. Okay. And there's, you know, I'm not nitpicking. That is different. It's not like he said, oh, yeah, Darvish says the fans hate me. He says, I I think that Darvish thinks the fans hate him. So I told him, and no one, the right. next sentence was, I told him, you know, in September and or like October, yeah. they're going to love you. Well, you got to, well, hopefully they have to love you in July and August, too. Well, if it's October, that's probably okay. If they love him in October, I think, you know, that means they got there and he's doing well in October. But yeah. point is, he never quoted Darvish. Now, your question, it was a terrible move by Jimenez. Yeah. Terrible move. Sure. Now, he probably thought he was covering for his he guy. He thought and... he was helping. Yeah. Yes. It's got to be. Yeah. He must have thought, I'm going to help my guy out. I'm going to get some sympathy, yeah. maybe. You know, all oh, fans, he thinks you don't like him. He thinks you hate him. You know, he's, you know, implying, you know, he's a good guy. You know, right. he's gonna, in October, you're going to love him. But it didn't, number no. one, he shouldn't have said it to anybody. And there was a good scoop for, uh, oh, I know who it was. Was it Steve uh, Greenberg? Greenberg. Had, yeah, I think it was right? Steve Greenberg. Yeah, yeah, Steve joins us. Uh, great job. But, uh, no, that was the uh, wrong thing to say. So, uh, last night, White Sox went 8-3. to three. Uh, How about this? The Sox only had uh, played nine men. Common in the American League. No right. uh, pinch hitters. No yep. double switches. Joe was a genius last night. We'll get to that, I believe, with some of his moves. Only got the four-man bench nowadays. But uh, the White Sox, all nine men 
got at least one hit. Yes, they did. You rarely see that. Adam Engel had two hits. He's up to 220. Mm-hmm. He keeps he keeps improving. I think he's hitting three something over the last like 10 or 12 games. He can so. go get him in center field. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox uh, at the bottom of the box, they were 11 for 32. I normally don't look at that, but when I saw each of the nine players had at least one hit, so that's 343. Uh, Yurko can do that in his head. I was going to say, it's a little above 333 because that would have been uh, 11 for 33. Yeah. Yeah. 11 for 32. It's about 340, 343. Uh, but the key hit, uh, Tim Anderson comes up in the bottom of the sixth inning and, uh, to, the score was tied, I want to say. It's a gift, a, a gift triple. Well, it was, but in a box <laughs> score, it's a two run triple. Yeah. To left field on the line. Yelich can't play it. It gets behind him. The Sox are going to take the lead by a couple. Anderson in a hurry to third. Two runs are in. It's five to three. Highlights courtesy of uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Now, how is that not a single and a two base error? Man, did he not touch it? I know, I know. You don't have to he talk. Botched, I mean, if you well, just come in and it goes past you, yeah, that's what he did. He but anyway, it. yeah, I mean, uh, it was a clean single. Here's what they did. Here's what yeah. the White Sox did. Yeah. We talked so much about men left. We talked so much about LOB and RISP, left on base and runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Okay, because teams usually are struggling. That's why we're talking about it. Don't we talk about Dabbit? Yeah, a little bit, but I don't understand it. Okay. Um, the White Sox were six for eight with runners in scoring position yesterday. Yeah. That's what all. That's how you win games. You get a runner in scoring position and you bring them home. The White Sox six for eight with runners in scoring position yesterday. That well, was nice. Uh, uh, and we'll get to the Cubs here. The uh, Cubs had five two out RBIs. Yes, they did yesterday. Uh, we had uh, let's see. Well, three for uh, Schwarbs. The three run homer was with two out. Happened in ninth inning. Tacked on an insurance run with two out. And Bryant. In the uh, big rally, seventh inning, uh, put the final run on the board with a two out. Uh, served it, as they say, right into yeah. right center well, field. Hold on, hold on, Mister Cub. Yeah, uh, I thought you had the stat wrong, but the White Sox had five of their eight runs scored with two, uh, didn't two out. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Yeah. Good catch. So you know, both teams, yeah. both teams were doing what you need to do. They could get those two out hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because when you started running that stat, I thought I said, "Hold it, Wait I got I got it written right here: <laughs> five of eight runs scored on two out okay. hits." So the White Sox and Cubs both doing a lot of work with two outs yesterday. Both teams come from behind to win. Well, and the Cubs made you wait, too. If you're a Cub fan, you're sitting around going, okay, it's yeah. the sixth inning. What's going on? No score for the Cubs. They're down 2 nothing. Then the seventh inning rolls around, and yeah. then the runs start coming in like crazy. Let me do a little rapid-fire pluses and minuses. Cubs game yesterday. Jesse Rogers at 10. We're going to get on some of the overnight uh, developments from the Friday NBA final uh, seconds of regulation. Uh, the league has come down with or with Without uh, suspensions, Cubs game last night. Here's some of the keys. Oppo, Oppo, not Paul Popovich, not Popo. Now, he, Paul, I know you're out there in the suburbs, might be listening, but Oppo all night long. Left-handers going Oppo. The three-run homer by Schwarber was Oppo all day long. That's how you hit the ball. You stay in the game. You move the ball around. Uh, how about this? You move the baseball, as Joe says. Joe Madden. Not unlike most teams down in the National League, only four men on the bench. Used to be back in the day when you only had ten pitchers, you'd have like seven guys on the bench, multiple maneuvers if you so desired. Starts the game with Schwarber on the bench, Contreras on the bench, Hap on the bench, and Listella. That's 22 homers on the bench. Uh-huh. 
Uh, Schwarber was sitting with 10. Contreras sitting with 4. Hap sitting with 8. That's a lot of muscle there. But Joe Madden, not going to go into a lot of X's and O's here. I know you're going to oh, yeah, that Murph can break those X's and O's down like anybody. <laughs> but maybe, you know, only Murph and Fred like to hear that. But point is, you can break it down on your own or take my word for it. Joe Madden, the master. You know what? It's not just a lineup. It's not just, you know, when do you change pitchers. There's so much more going on, and uh, I, I think uh, Fred will disagree because Fred's got the managers. To quote you, if I may, they're sort of like a not important. Yeah, but, pretty much. But maybe more in the National League when you got that short bench and he had to make these maneuvers. He was able to a uh, double switch getting Schwarber there coming up uh, in the three-hole. Uh, which was the nine hole, but third the batter coming up. The next plus was Zobrist. Was he now about uh, 45, 49 years old? Yeah, 30, 37. All right, thanks. He uh, six for nine in the last two games. He had three hits and he walked once yesterday. Yep, went three for five yep. and then three for four last night. Six for nine. And uh, now up to 304 on base, 392. That's not bad for a leadoff hitter. Cubs eight game no. Cubs eight games over 500. I believe, I'm sure it's a season high. I didn't double check, but it's got to be eight over 500 now uh, with a record of 31 and 23. Yeah, it has to be because remember how yeah. they were, what were they, 11 and 11 or something yeah, like yeah. that? So they're, they're season high yeah. right now. Uh, another plus, the bullpen, Rosario, he he comes in again, uh, one and a third, one and two thirds innings, Fred, no hits, no runs. Uh, uh, no walks, one strikeout. He's 2-0 on the year. He sort of sucked up a vulture of victory right there. C-Shack comes in again. He's lights out for his uh, one batter he faces. But there's uh, negatives. There's uh, bad. There's good keys. Now the bad keys. Almora left the game. He had a little collision at third base as a base runner sliding in. And then he, he didn't come back. He stayed in the game to finish running the bases, you know, right. uh, on the bases. Well, but far to go from third to home. Well, no, but he didn't right. go back out. He yeah. didn't go back out to center. And I'm thinking concussion, uh, now what? You know, because like his helmet or it got hit. Turns out, according to morning reports, we'll check with Jesse, that somehow when he jarred into the whoever was covering third, it might not even have been the third base because it was a goofy right. defensive play, whatever. Ran into the fielder and the, his helmet cut or hit into his eye area. Came down and like hit. So uh, they said he had a little uh, vision trouble, but uh, he'll be fine, they say, for today. Well, you don't want him being down because uh, not only does he go get it, but he was three for four last night. He's up He's up to 325. That's exactly right. Yeah. He's uh, getting a hit a day. Nice to see him get his chance. You know, he's getting a hit a day uh, on his uh, foot is a bias. Now, he left the game early. I don't know if it was just a Joe double switch or what. They said nothing. But he fouled the ball again down on his shoe. Uh-huh. He has done that, I, I want to say, every game for the last week. Fouled the, it's usually the down and in, often from a lefty or any down and in. Each day, he hit, and he's danced around like the old hot foot, they uh-huh. used to call it. Remember? Yep. But uh, I always wonder why they don't wear some type of like lightweight Maybe aluminum flap, like over the, the top of their shoes. I thought he had one on. Well, that's the that's like the ankle up guard. I, yeah, a little I'm, flap, but other I mean, people have. Oh, them. I'm sorry, but I mean right. all the way down to the toe. Oh, okay. I mean an entire. Like yeah, the usually catchers. they just have it at the end, yeah. not the instep. How yeah. much can it weigh? Some lightweight, durable plastic. I they, think they should just go to the plate with the you know a suit of armor on. <laughs> well, some so do. they can never get hurt. 
Uh, don't get me started. That's what your beef is later in the okay. show, Fred. Please don't okay. get me started. And a uh, <laughs> couple more. EO11's listening. Now, nah, good job, EO. Thank you. Uh, Dunsing. See, here's what's happening. The bullpen is becoming, being overworked. I don't mean by Joe's maneuvering. But now you're looking at C.J. Edwards goes down. C.J. Edwards is a skinny guy. He doesn't weigh a lot. He humps it right over the top, what, 96 when he's pumping? Mm -hmm. And you know what? A guy like that, sure, there's some freaks that can do it for 20 years. You know, Pedro could do it. Little guy, skinny guy. And I'm saying it. Right. But he's on the pace again. He and C-Sheck, they've all, you know, one-third through the season. Exactly. 54 games for the Cubs, 54 games for the Sox, times 362. They're sitting around 25, 26 games. That's okay, 75 to 80. But you know what? It's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. And you never want to try to pitch a relief pitcher back-to-back days, though often you can't help it. Edwards has had five, count them, back-to-back times already this year, beginning with the first two games of the season. Now Joe's been good about, you know, day off here, day off there, but those... Those skinny guys that throw like that. Man, you know, oh, man, you look at their bullpen. You're right. Uh, C-Shack, 27. Dunsing, 26. Multiply Strope, those by three. Yeah. Strope, 25. Yeah. Wilson, 23. And yeah. Edwards, 25. That's 81, 78, yeah. uh, 75. Well, and you know what the re- I mean, one of the reasons is that... Well, they're starting pitching. Well, and part of it's on Joe, too, because Joe took out Hendricks the other day after 71 pitches. Uh, he wanted to get offense because they needed the run. Yeah, but... I didn't understand that. Oh, it's because what you said, they hadn't yeah. been scoring. Right, they hadn't been scoring, so he pulled them out and puts in pinch, hits for pinch hitter extraordinaire, as, yeah. Je- as Jesse Rogers put it in his article today, Tommy Lastella. It's yeah. amazing that Jesse did an article on Tommy Lastella. And that was one of the few times, I believe, when he hit for Hendricks, he didn't yeah, come he didn't, through. Right, he didn't come through that game. Uh, Lastella, and I haven't seen Jesse's piece, he's with us at 10, top of my head. He's uh, 12 for 25 as a pinch hitter. That's pretty good. Which is what? One at bat more over 500 off yeah. the... If you can hit 300 off pinch hitting. Right. And, uh, you know, on base I don't have in front of me. Sorry for all you on base guys out there. How about this? guys. How about this negative uh, uh, bad key for the Cubs last night? Cubs pitchers, five leadoff walks to start innings they issued. I, you can't do that. I'm watching the beginning of the game. Yeah. Oh. And you wonder how stupid baseball players and man- and managers are. Tyler Chatwood walks the leadoff man. Nothing new there, right? No. The next man up has a 2-2 count, and they try to steal. Yeah. Contreras throws the guy out, yeah. and then the next pitch, the guy singles the center. I'm going, no wonder you Mets are struggling and now under 500. You you stand there with Tyler Chatwood at the plate until he proves he can strike somebody out. Chatwood was nothing short of horrible, and they they just they did everything they could. The Mets could to help him out. Huh. Well, constantly. Well, here's your first inning. Bottom of the first Mets. Here's Chatwood, who's only gone about three three and a third, four innings in his last two starts. And by the way, he had 96 pitches. Didn't even uh, make it through to sixth. So I don't know why people, oh, he's a lot better. No, he sucked. Yeah. He was terrible. Chatwood, so the first inning, Fred, listen, and you're right. So uh, he walks the leadoff hitter on six pitches. Now it's, what was it? Now it's, he's fallen, he falls by. I think it was two and I two. I think it was two and, two and one or it two. It might have been, yeah. Oh, no, it was a seven. Okay, right. You're right. They try to steal second, they're out. Then What's Ka- the point? Cabrera gets a single. 
Yeah. Now, Conforto strikes him out. Now, Mezzarocco gets a single. Here's the point. Right. They, they'd have a run by now. Now, it's first and second. Even without that, here's <laughs> yeah. bigger than that. First and second, two out, and Jay Bruce comes up. It hits a tear out of the ball, and Almora makes one of his Bobby Dernier Willie Mays catches to end the inning. Yep. Two runs would have scored on uh -huh. the right center field. He outran the ball. Yeah, he did. Get a like sliding thing feet first on the warning track. Just so he didn't hit the wall. That's yeah. why he slid on that one. Well, Chet would hit the wall. 96 pitches. He walks the first two guys in the sixth inning, which forces Joe to you know, have to go to the bullpen, right. which is the whole point. If you don't get your start, even Quintana. Oh, he had a good outing. Well, he did, but again, if Quintana, he couldn't get through to sixth. Yeah. Or, uh, no, he got into the seventh. Yeah. Pitch count was through the roof, and they had to take him out. If he had got through the seventh, you wouldn't have had to bring C-Shack in a day, you know, two day game one. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you need your guys to go to go deeper in games, and that is less pitches. Uh, but that's one of the that's one of the problems with baseball right now. You almost need more bullpen guys yeah. and and less, and that's why in the National League it's re, it's tougher when you start doing double switches. You only have four guys. Oh wow! Well, uh, one more uh, negative note for the Cubs, and then one positive. The negative note that you I don't know they didn't mention is Jason Hayward. Uh, did you hear the umpires? Checked his bat. No, and discovered he was using a rolled up sporting news. <laughs> Come on. Oh, he was hitting the ball, hitting the ball, hitting the ball, he right? Three, didn't he have three hits in a row, like two or three games in a row? Did you see him yesterday? He was over for 5. Pops up, rolls out, strikeout, rolls out, strikeout. Okay. Well, and Rizzo had a bad game yesterday. He left five guys on base, bounced into a double play. He's, he's been popping the ball up a lot to second base and right over second base. But how about Schwarber? Top of the eighth inning. Yeah, oh, by the way, just so you Cub fans don't think I'm yeah. – he had a great May. Rizzo oh, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he he has he's still hitting two thirty six. He's being more aggressive. He's attacking the ball. You know what? He wasn't aggressive for a month. Yeah, not only not aggressive at the plate, he wasn't aggressive defensively at first base, and he wasn't aggressive on the bases. Not that he's a speed ball. Don't get me wrong, but doesn't matter if you're fast or slow. You still have a level of aggression yep. that you want to maintain on the bases. But the big moment in the game, it's the uh, uh, top of the eighth inning. And uh, Kyle Schwarber comes up. At the time, the Cubs are up uh, by the score of 4-2. to two, But it's a nail-biter, first and third. And uh, two out. Was well, Schwarber going to pop out in the inning? Or is he going to? Well, let's see. Schwarber in the air. Deep left. Back toward the wall. She's gone. Three-run homer. Six to two. Well, they're going to start filling up the express train back to Manhattan after that swing of the bat by <laughs> Kyle Schwarber. And he has opened this thing wide open in the top of the eight. Jim Deshays, I tell you, he runs silent, runs deep. He's more terrific every year than yeah. I hear him. Highlights there, good old uh, NBC Sports Chicago. And, plus. Uh, yeah. Plus. They were plusing it yesterday. Yeah, Fred. I never would have said that. Thank you very much. Well, I don't know that you have to. I don't think you do, but yeah, it sounds good same. when you say it. Sure. Cubs come from behind and win. Sox come from behind and win. And uh, Eric, let's hear it one more time as we uh, take a break. All the Cub fans are going to be singing their favorite song about, for the next day or two, their favorite team. White Sox! White Sox! <laughs> Beat those Brewers! Perfect Fred, back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Look at Fred's doing his polka around the table.
Busy day. I'm Mike Murphy, Cub fan from good old Lions Township, LaGrange. He's Fred Hubner, White Sox fan from good old Martin East in Cicero. Welcome, everybody. Uh, nine till noon. Jesse in about 30 minutes. He's in New York covering the Cubs. At 11 o'clock, Fred, we're going to have uh, an amazing uh, uh, study we're going to talk about. Brought to uh, us by uh, Brandon Doolittle, one of the uh, great uh, writers uh, with ESPN. Yep. And uh, I'll just uh, let's give a 10-second little uh, seed, the clouds, leaven the mix uh, highlight. It's an amazing study. Fred doesn't believe it, by the way. That's how amazing the study yeah, is. Yeah, it, it's shocking. <laughs> I hope it's true, but it's, it's shocking. That youth baseball, youths, youth baseball is skyrocketing, trending up, peaking up, and in fact catching some of the uh, other uh, sports where, you know, I never see kids playing anymore baseball. Right. Well, this was a study from sporting equipment manufacturers. So it's not biased no. by MLB or anybody else or TV. or not. This is a study that the sporting group, sporting goods manufacturers, uh, you know, association, they do it so they know what's coming, what to produce, you know, where to put their resources for manufacturing. Oh, do we make more soccer balls or baseball mitts or, you know, and baseball with the youths is red hot. So uh, uh, we'll have more on that. Yeah, maybe in the 11 o'clock, 11.15, uh, Bradford said he'd call in. Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski, EO11. Let's get the results from our uh, focus group Twitter poll from the first half hour. Uh, which rule is more confusing, A, B, or C? The NFL catch rule, MLB takeout slide rule, or the NBA, the charge block rule? I have no idea, Fred. I wrote this last night. I have no idea how I would even vote. I don't even have any idea how the fans are voting, but I guess we have to vote ourselves. Uh, well, because it's a season, hmm. I'm going to go with the uh, charge block. Because it. Just because happened. it just happened. A lot right. of times that happens when people try to compare things and mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, I'm going to go with that. It, it is confusing. It's very confusing. Well, you see, I, only because I am interested more than probably most people, I do understand the takeout slide rule, right. even though Joe Madden doesn't understand it and nobody else understands it. Parentheses. Parenthetical expression. You know who does understand? I'll bet you is Rizzo. I'll bet he knew. He say, knew. No, I didn't hear anyone say this. Uh -huh. Rizzo intentionally veered over. You know why? He wanted to supply a jolt. He wanted to give the Cubs a jolt. They haven't been playing well. And he says, you know what? I'm going to supply a jolt if and when it comes up. He saw it coming right there. He veered over, knowing it would have been an automatic double play, dead ball double play, if he was ruled by the ump. Right. And he knew, even if the ump's do, okay. But I'm going to call, he, you know, veers over, and it was a cheap shot. That's my opinion. Everyone's got an opinion. They're like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. Uh -huh. uh, opinions, right? It was a cheap shot. And you know what? He undercut him. And then the Pirates, they repaid. They tried to cheap shot the Baez. And everybody's happy. It's over. I didn't know that the Pirates did try to. Because you don't usually do that with your pitcher. Oh, he did. I don't think it was a it was a set thing, though. All right. Unless they sit in the locker room and said, listen, the next person that goes yeah. into second base, no matter who you are. Someone get him. Someone get someone today. Has got to try it's to take right. some. 
somebody out. That's so, okay. Yeah. But uh, so I'm. Gonna... Was a great slide. Mark the Mark the Rosa on uh, MLB Central kept saying he's terrific. Where did he learn how to slide like that? Yeah. See, because had... it was a great slide. If he would have done it. Uh, Three feet sooner. But it was illegal by new rules. He didn't. He, he lost, went past the base. Lost contact with the base. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. If he would have slid three feet sooner, right. it would have been a perfect pop-up slide. But everyone, Jay, uh, Jim Deshane, that's a double play. That's a double play. No one, not one umpire uh, called it. It's unbelievable. But let's say, I'm going to vote then for the NFL catch rule. Okay. To me, is the most confusing. I know all, it's been changed. It's been modified. It's simpler now. We'll I'll be see. honest. I, I've read that thing ten times. The new, simpler one. Yeah. I still don't get it. We'll see once the season starts how simple it is. Fred, did you? Uh, I'm sorry. Did you vote? Uh, yeah, I voted for the the, char- the charge charge block. I'm right. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. EO eleven. Did you vote? For me, it's definitely the catch rule. Like it's something okay. that you would think would be so simple, yeah. but we don't understand still. But what the fans say? The fans voted seventy six percent agree with me that it's the NFL catch rule, okay. and then the other two split twelve percent each. Okay. Huh. Okay. All right. It just shows you how big football is. No, it just shows that you're out of step, Charlie, as usual, <laughs> like we both are today. All right, so this morning, get up at about, what, 5 o'clock this morning, go to yeah, pull up some different sports stuff, reading, and uh, here's one. After brutal loss, this is from the Associated Press, one Josh Dubow, D-U-B-O-W. You know everybody, Fred. You know him? No. And uh, Josh DeBau writes, after brutal loss, Love and Thompson avoid suspensions. Hmm. Let me read this at 5 a.m. Kevin Love will not be suspended for leaving the bench during an altercation in the closing seconds of Cleveland's overtime loss Thursday night. A person familiar with the decision said the league ruled that Love left the bench to argue a flagrant foul against teammate Tristan Thompson and not to join the altercation. He then retreated to the bench immediately, so he did not deserve punishment. All right, let's evaluate that one first. He left the sideline, right, went on the floor, Uh was not in the game, and isn't that an automatic suspension? That's what I always thought, but what do I know? Basically, I think the suspension, I don't have the rule in front of me, but I think the rule is that if you come off the bench when there's an altercation. Mm -hmm. So technically, he was off the bench before the altercation took place. Um, You probably shouldn't be off the bench anyway, but the way that the NBA has it with the the players' benches being so far down away from the scorer's table and away from the middle of the court, I I can kind of understand it. If you go by the letter of the law, I would have thought he would have been suspended unless Mm. the rule just says Mm. if you come off the bench for an altercation. So if you're running down to check in at the scorer's table and your foot hits onto the floor... You're fine. Okay, but technically... Yeah, you're well. Well, I know, but the point is, you shouldn't have a rule that's technically well, or got gray area. The NBA has a traveling rule too. Uh-huh. Without rules, there's yeah. chaos. So it's, let's bring in. Yeah, the NBA has a traveling rule. So I love quoting Cosmo Kramer. Uh-huh. Maybe Jesse's uh, hanging out by the uh, deli today, like he was talking about. All I see is all the Seinfeld stuff. Uh, Eric, what did you? Uh, Vote on what, what? What was your thoughts on uh, him? You know, leaving the the bench area and being on the floor, but no suspension because uh, he went right back immediately. It said. Right. I feel like because of his intent, he literally took like three steps onto the court. So I'm glad that they didn't literally ruin game two by suspending Kevin Love for mm-hmm. not intending to get in the middle of a scuffle at all. He just 
got excited, stepped on the court a couple steps, and then stepped back. I do have to tell you one thing. It would have been different if he stepped back on his own. He didn't. He stepped back because what his one of his assistant coaches put his arm out and like shut, pushed him back a little bit because he. Uh, I'm not saying he would have kept going, but he was standing out there, and all of a sudden, when the coach looked and saw him, he said, "What are you doing? Get back there!" So he did. So, you know, they didn't suspend him. To, I How thought can they you were have going rules to, that aren't cut and dried? Well, you know what? They'll suspend him for the first game next year. That's what they. That's what the, the NBA is good at doing. Uh, next, uh, Trist, Tristan Thompson. Tristan. Tristan. I'm yeah. sorry. I knew I'd do that. Thompson. Okay. Or you can call him Tristan Kardashian, either right. one. But you can't just say Thompson. No. Thompson was ejected for a flagrant two foul. Then shoved the ball into Draymond Green's face before leaving the court. We all saw that. The NBA downgraded his foul to a flagrant one and fined him $25,000. No other discipline is coming regarding uh, this. So they call a flagrant two. But then the league says what's not. Is a flagrant two an automatic suspension? You're going to have to ask Eric about it's that. It's an automatic ejection and then, like, in that game and can be reviewed to be suspended for the next game as well. So they reviewed it and downgraded it. Correct. And they hit him with a, what would be like a, a $25 fine to most people, right? Two fifty. $25,000, what's he make? No, $2.50. Oh, okay. <laughs> For what these guys make, to yeah. find this guy twenty five thousand, that really hurt him. Yeah. So they downgraded it after looking at it, even though the refs called it a flag. You know what? This NBA, they have no rules. It's chaos. And Fred, you just mentioned they have no rule about anything. No. Traveling, palming. It's, it, yeah. It's, it's however they decide to do it. I mean, there were when the Bulls played LeBron, uh, everybody was shocked. You even texted me. You said, "Amazing! They called LeBron for traveling." And, yeah, I mean, every once in a while, they'll just call it to remember that they actually have it in the rule book. What about uh, on the free throw? E-11. I know you were, uh, knew this also. So what happened on one of the free throws? Someone, uh, was it the shooter, uh, stepped over the line? No, no. Or, uh, oh, rebounders. Draymond on Green. I, on the big free throw. The free throw that right. was missed. Uh, and and J.R. Smith got the rebound. Draymond Green stepped into the, the, lane. the lane before right. the shot was taken. The paint, as yeah. they call it. Yeah, before the shot before was taken. Before the shot was released. Which, by the letter of the law... It's a penalty. It's a, uh, the guy should get another, another shot. Another free throw. Another free throw. If he makes it, they let it go. If he misses it, they... But, again, the letter of the law... But they do it every play in the NBA. Every single all free throw they do. six guys, it. four yeah. guys, however many are lined up. Yeah. They're all they're in the lane before the ball is released. Why would anyone think that if they let it go on for 10 years that they're going to blow a whistle now, Eric? Right. I don't get, like, people calling for that to be a penalty in that situation. There's no way refs are going to make that call in that situation. Remember my idea? Instead of having... The two guys under the basket that are on the uh, defense, the non-shooting, right. there should be one of each. There should be a dark shirt and a white shirt underneath. Then next, on the opposite sides, like triangle, right. like, like a check, like a tic-tac-toe. That way, instead of both teams underneath, uh, the, the rebounding team having two guys underneath, the shooting team would also have one. Now you'd see some real action. But the biggest question a lot of people had is, why wasn't LeBron James on the lane? LeBron James was standing uh, 24, 24 feet back uh, behind the shooter mm. at that point with 4.7 seconds left. You kind of would have thought that if, in fact, it was that big of a thing, he would have been there. Remember when Michael invented the uh, runway? 
he'd start back by midcourt and come running in and time it. So yeah, when the ball was really, I know that was great. It was nothing illegal about it. No, he's coming. It's sort of like the NFL now. They've totally changed the kickoff rules. You can't have the running start anymore. Did you see that? Yeah, on the kickoff team, I've got it all written out. It's amazing. I couldn't. I couldn't believe uh, how confusing it is. Not only can you not have a running start, you have to have five guys on each side of the ball. Yes, two outside the hash marks, two between the hashes. Correct. Eight return teamers have to be within fifteen yards of the setup box. Right. No wedge. It's like, come on! They're not. They're not going to have any idea right. how to return these. Only kicks. three guys back, as you said. Just right? you know, and, and they were saying less. It's it's less than a hundred days till kickoff of the NFL season. Why don't you just say less than a hundred days till the start? Because See, they're going to get rid of kickoffs. Ten years from now, we won't even know what a kickoff is. And the, the new rule uh, is actually no two man wedge. The return team. Well, you could have a one man wedge well, if you like. See, they had outlawed three man wedges, yeah. four man wedges. Yeah. Remember, hey, Eric, well, it's hard to have a wedge with one guy. Eric, for fun, Google up during the break the uh, flying wedge. College football back uh, 1910, 1920, there was no NFL yet. And they'd have 10 guys in front of the return man on a kickoff. The 10 guys in front of them, they would lock their, lock their arms. Lock their arms in a wedge, ten of them, like a flock of geese, you know, heading heading uh, north in the summer, south in the winter, and they'd lock them, and they just pulverize everybody in front of them, and they'd have an ambulance, well, it's a horse with a carriage, a wagon, taking people to the local hospital from every college game, like all game long. And then they put face masks on. And then it was over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, vote right now. I know we're late, Eric. Uh, vote now. Do you like the MLB takeout slide? You know, the good old days, you could just level that guy. Do you like the old, uh, take, well, the takeout slide rule now? Do you like the new takeout slide rule? Yes or no? I like when they could just ramrod that guy and blindside him and send him off with a broken leg. Vote now. Jesse in a few minutes. Murph and Fred back in a flash. ESPN 1000. How you doing, everybody? Happy Saturday. Temperature not like uh, last week, Saturday, Fred, when it was like 90 and sweaty over the Memorial Day weekend. Wow. Yeah, no, it's not going to be. It's going to, I think, like 68 yeah. downtown. and Low humidity, too. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's not bad at all. 332-3776. Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. That, now, that was really a coincidence. Right after... Uh, you and I just talked about the uh, sliding, the the takeout slide. Right, uh, Rizzo. I think I think in the back of his mind, he wanted to give a uh, a, a jolt. You know, he wanted to give a jolt to the uh, to the Cubs. I think he knew exactly what he was doing when he veered into the catcher. Whatever. But right when we went to break, uh, inside radio, uh, we played uh, E11. What do we call it? Station promo uh, when we first. Took a break a few minutes ago. Yep, correct. So right. Rizzo's on with Cap and Company. Okay. It was a promo yeah. for his spot that he does with Cap. Hey, can you rack that up? Hit that again when you have it. Please. No problem. Cub first baseman Anthony Rizzo. Just because you're not playing good doesn't mean you're not treated like a human being. Number 44 talks here. If people are treating someone else bad because of their performance-based numbers, then that person needs to look themselves in the mirror and treat everyone the same. Brought to you by Lakeside Bank, Tito's, and Vodka by Muller's Stop it. It's 
on a ro- it's on a rotation. It's on a rotation. more inside baseball. It's, it's a rotator, so I can't control uh, which one plays. Well, yeah. You know what? We, we have to get surgery on your rotator cuff right there. Yeah. But, uh, okay, anyway, point was... Trying to give the station a little extra promotion there, and the sponsor even sneaked his name in. It's a freebie there. But uh, Rizzo, you know, talking about the uh, slide into home plate. Yeah, he was trying to hurt anybody, just trying to take out, you know. Yeah, you he, know. Kn- he knew what he was doing. <laughs> trying to jolt. But here, here's my, I had this idea. And, you know, all the old school guys, oh, boy, that's the way we played the game. All right, fine, whatever. I don't like. Seen infielders carried off with broken legs because that's what these guys remember that holiday, Matt Holiday, yep. that big horse. Yep, he'd come in, weg, leg whip. I'm gonna yep. a weg lip. Well, that's basically what Rizzo did. Rizzo leg whipped the catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't like any of that yeah. stuff. Well, if you remember years ago, uh, Tory Hunter took out Jamie Burke, the White Sox catcher, mm. and Ozzy Ozzy Gian was the White Sox manager. And at the time, Ozzy Gian came out right after the game and said it was a good hard nosed play. It was not a good hard nosed no, play. It was, it was cheap, yeah. dirty play. But legal. And I couldn't believe but it. But legal at the time. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, don't know how it could have been were, legal. Well, back then there were no rules about any of that. But, but he went. He went completely out of the base path to go after the uh, catcher. So I don't know how. Well, it was you're not legal. supposed to run out of the baseline avoiding a tag. Yeah. See, that was legal at the time, yeah. even though it was totally dirty. I mean, I mean, I argue. It I was guess, ridiculous. There were no rules back then, and then you have chaos, yeah. as of course we know. But here's my. Oh, what, what were the results? Uh, we'll get EO eleven in a minute here when you have them. The results of our uh, uh, takeout slide, Fred. Here's what I was wondering. Let's say, no, this has never happened. Man on third, one out. All right. In feel like halfway. If it's, you know, hard hit to you at second, you throw home and uh, first base halfway. Okay, runner on third, one out. What would happen if this happened? Batter hits a ground ball to second. Runner on third, one out. Ball to second, but the runner on third doesn't go. Not uh-huh. contact play, nothing. He stays at third. Now the second baseman throws to first. The batter runner. As it's technically known in umpiring right. and rules, the, the batter hyphen runner, the batter dash runner, the batter runner, all of a sudden now the man on third says, I'm going to go. I'm heading home. So the second baseman gets the two-hopper, chopper, two-hopper, Hawk, throws it over to first, and the runner hauling down the line slides, not head first to beat the throw, slides like Rizzo did, and takes out the first baseman who would be ready to throw home right. to try to get the third out at the plate. The runner is now running home. I've never seen it. No. Prior to this new rule, you could have done it, and I'm not sure you couldn't still do it. If you slid feet first into first and didn't go past the and bag took out the, took out the runner, and didn't veer, first baseman. You, could, you could chew him up good. His uh, foot that's planted on the base with a spike sl- I mean... Your name would be dirt the rest of your career, and they'd be thrown at you. But that's irrelevant. I'm talking about you could do that. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it, I mean, I you, guess you could. I'm by just the, saying by you the could. letter of the law, you probably could yeah, try. Yes, you yeah. could. Yeah. Someday someone's going to do that. And well, it'll probably be Almora. He slides into first more than anybody on the uh, in baseball. Well, here's what I'm leading up to: the Pirates. If Clint Hurdle had thought of this, they could have slid into Rizzo. Yeah. To quote unquote get even. Yep. 
and you know the unwritten book. All all the the new tiny guys out there. Oh, I hate that. Uh, you know, uh, getting even, throwing at a guy. Uh, you know, we'll throw at his ribs. But no, oh, no, I don't like that. Unwritten. No one's talking about the NBA. See that today? Go. Well, the unwritten rule is when you're up by more than ten. Yeah, you don't uh, shoot. You don't shoot. Yeah, well, no one's criticizing. You know what? All you ever hear was baseball. Oh, that unwritten rule book of baseball. That's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. How come no one's talking about the unwritten NBA book? Because because the NBA is red hot right ah, now. Nobody criticizes go. the NBA right now. Uh, what was our vote there, uh, EO11, on our uh, Twitter poll? Uh, do you like the MLB uh, takeout uh, slides? 64% said they do like it, so yes. Two-thirds of the people like to see the infield, middle infielder get his leg broken. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what, that's what the tweeters say. There you go. There you go. Yeah. But don't retaliate because we don't like to retaliate. Yeah, you'd hate to you hate to <laughs> throw the baseball at somebody, but you'd rather break his leg out at second base. Jesse Rogers next. Uh, we'll talk some uh, baseball. Cubs next. We have uh, some Bears, White Sox. Busy day uh, between now and noon. Glad you're with us. Uh, it's ESPN 1000. Start filling up the express train back to Manhattan after that <laughs> swing of the bat by Kyle Schwarber. And he has opened this thing wide open in the top of the eighth. A Schwarbaum highlights good old NBC Sports Chicago. Jim Deshaies always has that little catchy line. Maybe Jesse was on that train heading back. Hey, here's our uh, 10 o'clock, one minute away from Jesse Rogers. Uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll vote right now. <laughs> yes or no? Do you hate you, Darvish? Very simple. Yes or no? Do you hate you? Okay. Darvish. All right. You know what, Fred? It is Saturday. But he's not at the park, Jesse, because uh, it's a night game. Right. But he might be at Central Park he it's Saturday. Be. Yeah. Jesse Rogers, everybody on the uh, beat. It was nice. It was nice that we got Tommy Lastella to sing that Jesse Rogers song. And Jesse, <laughs> Jesse, then he said, "You know what? I'll take care of you, Tommy." And he writes a nice article today about af- Tommy Lastella. I was afraid when he said, "Oh yeah, I was in Pittsburgh on my bike. I ran into Tommy Lastella." Like, oh no, another guy in the DL. No, they were right. They were right. Are you kidding me? Jesse and Tommy were riding a tandem bike. Right. Or, or uh, Lestella was like up on the handlebars with his butt down on the handlebars, just like 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 Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right, we used to do that with no helmets. Uh-huh. Can you believe that, Jesse? Amazing, Jess. Remember up in Northbrook, you were about six years old, and you'd be up on your buddy's handlebars on your buttocks and no helmet. Oh, how did you make it? Oh, you guys are something else. Let me tell you something. If I wasn't in New York enjoying my time at Central Park, I'd be firing back at you, Fred, especially. <laughs> 
just because I like a ball player doesn't doesn't mean I can't uh, you know do my job properly. But today was about you know the fact that he is the best pinch hitter in the game. The yes, numbers he is. Are jump, you know, jump off the page. Twelve for twenty five, right? What's he hitting yeah, about uh, four uh, eighty uh, five as a pinch hitter? Yeah, five walks, uh, the highest OBP. If the season ended today, ever for a pinch hitter, wow. now obviously we're a third into it. Mm-hmm. But if he keeps it up, he'll have a, he'll he'll have the highest OBP, uh, minimum forty at bats, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I thought I'd write about him today. It was about time. I mean, he's he's as hot as anybody off the bench. And and Murph, I know you lo- you love the game as much as I do. And Fred, same thing. It, it's so different than the other sports. We know that it's so different. And talking to Tommy, first of all, he's I, I left out probably. 400 words of quotes from him. I mean, he's an interesting guy to talk to, especially talking hitting and the process, which is in there. I joke with Anthony Rizzo all the time. If I did that on Rizzo, it'd be see the ball, hit the ball. That's his process. But Tommy really dives into what it takes and the the difference in this sport. Think about a football player that only played in the fourth quarter. He'd be salivating in the, in the, at the mouth for three quarters, waiting to get in. I mean, drinking Red Bull, taking aspirin, whatever it is, coffee, caffeine, for three quarters. Tommy and the good pinch hitters, and Joe talks about Dan Johnson and Tampa Bay, it's the exact opposite. You don't want to rev yourself up. You want to keep calm, and that's what he is in the box, and that's what Joe talks about a lot. He's so calm and quiet in the box. It's just the opposite of other sports when you want to rev yourself up. It's Mm. not the case, and it's just amazing what he can do in there with one at-bat a night, and um, it's something he's developed for three years. It's taken him. You have to accept the role. That's number one, and then you have to just be able to not swing. That's the key. Be able to not swing at those pitches outside the zone. Think of Javi Baez if this was his role. <laughs> I mean, think, think about what he'd be doing with one at bat at night. So I thought it was just real interesting talking, hitting in the process with him. And and he can play not you know Gold Glove, but he starts uh, one game uh, a month at second, one game a month at third. He can play short too. He's played short in every you know. Yeah, this I wouldn't year. want to get carried away. Well, but. you know, yeah, and, <laughs> and he's gotten better. You know, Freddie Gonzalez managed managed him in, in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. I don't think they saw eye to eye. And one problem was Freddie didn't think he could play him anywhere. Anywhere, mm-hmm. and he has gotten better certainly at, at second. And, you know, the arm at third once in a while pops up. You know, people ask me, can he play every day? And, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Could he platoon? Maybe. But I think his body would probably break down if he was playing five to six days a week. Uh, Jesse, we uh, broke down the Cubs game and the Sox in the first hour. But I'm going to throw out real quick here six or seven uh, positives from last night's Cub game. You pick one uh, or two uh, to augment and embellish. Number one, going oppo all night at the plate. Schwab's the other way all night long going oppo. Number two, uh, my might have been Joe Madden's one of his best games of the year as a strategic in-game manager. Got four guys on the bench as he does every night. Did some amazing uh, the double switch and utilization of on the bench Schwarber, Contreras, Happ, and Lastella. He had 22 homers on the bench to start the game. Schwarber started with 10, Contreras 4, Happ 8. Next, Zobrist. Six for nine in his last uh, two games, 304 slash 392. Next, Cubs eight games over 500, season high. Next, 
bullpen. Rosario, who? Rosario picks up a uh, vulture of victory there. Now 2-0 and on the year. He's had four outings. He's been amazing. Uh, they're a man short, uh, not numerically, but without C.J. Right. Edwards, they're a man short out there. And the uh, C-Shack comes in, gets his one guy lights out. Uh, and Schwarbs, as we just heard, with the three-run homer. Pick one of those or any. Give me a plus in your mind or on one of those. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll probably go with that bullpen because it is short. It has been used a lot, basically because they're winning all week, right? They've been they've been playing good games. That means your your plus arms are gonna play. Mm-hmm. Edwards is down. This Rosario, what a find! Oh. I mean, we talk about Theo and the pitching. Well, they found this guy out of nowhere, and he's been sort of the linchpin so far. And he's definitely ascending in Madden's mind. There's no doubt he he's going to be a mainstay. I think at this point. I mean, obviously he goes backwards, but I think he's already proven it. But the, the way C-Shack has pitched dirty innings. I mean, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. He faced he inherited 24 runners all of last year. He's already inherited 22. The guy is pitching in high leverage, dangerous situations every single time he comes in. So yeah, it's not perfect. Strope has struggled the last two nights, and that caused a problem bringing Morrow in. Mm-hmm. So Morrow won't be available. But overall, without Edwards. Adding Rosario, um, I think the bullpen has probably been, uh, you know, one of the one of the keys from last night at least. I mean, you talk about Zobrist at thirty-seven, of course, but I'm almost not surprised because if he's healthy, this is what he is. Jesse Rogers in New York, following the Cubs for ESPN one thousand, Murph and Fred nine till uh, noon. All right, uh, let's look at a few of the uh, other side of the coin, if you will, the uh, bad keys. Those were some of the good keys. Dunsing, not as sharp as he's been. Again, his bullpen, Fred had some of the numbers earlier, were one-third through the season exactly for both the Cubs and the Sox. Yeah, he, 54 games, and we were doing the old uh, one-third times three. You look at how many games they've pitched in. Edwards, 25. Wilson, 23. Strope, 25. Dunsing, 26. Ciszek, 27 games. Multiply those by three, yeah. and you're kissing just below or just above 80, which is not abnormal, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it can also be... Uh, uh, too much on these guys, uh, but with the starting pitching in disarray, Jesse, that's what's going to happen. C.J. Edwards, let me ask you this on that topic. He's a skinny guy. He throws over the top. He throws canned heat, and I'm not saying that he's been overworked. I'm not saying that, but a guy like that, all of a sudden, now he's got shoulder tightness or whatever the word is and it's, to me, not surprising, but, you you know, you only have so many guys, you got to use them, right? Right, and this is this is what Theo and Jed tried to do, uh, duplicate the bullpen a little bit more than normal, meaning plus arms. You know you're going to win 90 to 100 games. That's a lot. Now, you'd like a few more blowouts. I mean, we joke about the Cubs offense, you know, a lot of runs, then not enough. They, they could use a few more, so they can pitch Luke Farrell and Corey Mazzoni, who probably will have to pitch tonight. But, Edward, I mean, these guys are pitching a lot because the Cubs are in that three- or four-run lead range, at least lately, and, you know, when you win a lot of games, you use up your bullpen. But there's no doubt, go back to the starting rotation. Yes. It's got to get better. Now, here's the, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. The combination of Madden being a proactive manager with a starting staff not off to a good start. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There might be a time in a 1-1 game in the sixth inning with Kyle Hendricks at the plate, he may have to leave Hendricks in to bat. Even though the normal situation might be to pinch hit for him, 
he may have to almost sacrifice an offensive opportunity to get an extra inning out of some of these starters. Now, having said that, his starters also need to step up, especially uh, the back end. Yeah. Obviously, Chatwood, I, I almost thought it was a great outing. It's no. five and a third. No. It's enough to, to survive, but he's got to go seven one of these days. Jesse, uh, let me interrupt, and then Fred was going to jump in on that. Sorry, but... I don't think it was a good outing last night. 96 pitches. He needed to get through six. Now you got to go to the bullpen early. That first inning Fred mentioned was a disaster if it weren't for that throwout stealing. Well, it wasn't for the Mets playing stupid, playing stupid baseball. And what your point is trying to steal second base when, you know, you let chat what he walked the first guy. There's a good chance he could have walked the next guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Mets made a bunch of mistakes. You yeah. saw they had a team meeting after the game. Conforto throwing home. Murph, if that oh. was a Cub, yeah. you would have gone, you know what, I was about to say ape something. You would have gone crazy. Yeah, he I air, mean, that was on the sack fly by Schwarber, and he yeah. airmailed it home, and the man on first, was that still Estella? Yeah. Yep, oh, yep. Smart enough to tag, and uh, he got Jesse's bicycle and went to second. Listen, both the Pirates and the Mets have had team meetings after playing the Cubs this week. It's been a good week for the Cubs. You have to admit that. <laughs> yeah, it, it has been, and they need to. They needed. They knew this coming up because when they come home, it's going to be tough. Philadelphia is going to be here. It's not going to be easy for them. Uh, but yeah, he he was tough the, earlier in the week, Jess. And I know a lot of people have talked to you, but we Murph and I talked about you know Madden and him with the pitchers, and he just mentioned it with Hendricks. Seventy-one pitches. I understand you want to get some runs on the board, but pulling Hendricks at that point kind of goes counter. What we've been talking about. If you want your starters to go, well, he was 71 pitches only, and you pulled him out. Well, Jesse did say there's going to be a time when he hits for him, and they hadn't been scoring at that point in time either. Right. I mean, that was the reason he came out. There's no doubt. I mean, even Hendricks said that's a National League moment, as, as they like to, Joe likes to say. And if it's a tie game, you're trailing by one, whatever, you're going to pinch hit for the pitcher. But there might be a time soon yeah. where he's got to give that, that, that bullpen a break and take your chances the next inning on offense if the pitcher doesn't come through. There's no great answer there. It's either you give up an offensive opportunity or you go to your bullpen early. I think the better choice right now might be to give up that offensive opportunity because, hmm. I mean, Cishek's arm's going to fall off. Well, you know yes. what I mean? yeah. Let's face it. See, that you know? hold that thought. This guy, Cishek, he's invaluable. He was a terrific signing by Theo and the guys, as was Morrow, as was uh, picking up a Hancock, the righty who's back at AAA now in a roster maneuver, but he'll be back. That was a straight-up trade with the Padres for a Matt Caesar, who, uh, you know, I don't think anyone misses. Good guy. Uh, but this Hancock, who'd been a starter, the Cubs say, hey, identify him, flame throw and bring him in. They've made a lot of uh, terrific moves. But, Jesse, let's uh, look for a second now at uh, uh, U Darvish. Uh, there was a note today, I don't know if you also had it, our buddy uh, Mark Gonzalez uh, pointed out, I had forgotten, that uh, the Cubs initially had said that Darvish, he's on the DL, but he would join the team uh, in Pittsburgh just to be with the team, street clothes, understand, but he's not there. Uh, and Gonzo simply said, I, you know, uh, speculated, I wonder if there's anything, why that could be. Point is, let's look at this. Let's say Darvish is out for, you know, a long time. We don't know. We hope not as fans, but you never know. Let's say Darvish is out. How would Theo acquire a mid-level, at least, like a number three starting pitcher if it turns out that Darvish is out for the count? How do you get, how would you get another starting pitcher by trading deadline or who do you give up? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, don't. there's no obviously, one. Yeah, no, 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 there say, isn't. obviously, there isn't. Someone from, 
major league rosters. What no, I there's say, no, right? you can't get any. Here's the problem. Remember a week ago, fellas, I'm sure you do. Oh, Russell for Manny Machado. Russell for Manny Machado. All right. You would have replaced Russell with Machado. So now you can't say Russell for the starting pitcher because then you got no shortstop. He's in the box in that your farm system, and Jim Callis was on uh, the other day here. Uh, we can replay that after Jesse leaves. He said uh, it's really bad news. He says the Cubs are not pretty, uh, the Cubs farms. In fact, let me pull that up right here. Uh, and this all uh, filters into what happens if there is a need to make a trade. Here's Jim Callis, uh, the minor league expert earlier this week on the ESPN 1000. Is there anything positive happening in, in the minor leagues for Cub fans when, in terms um, of the pitching? You know, it, it, it's been dicey because I have one of my editors, like I've been like Jose Albertus has kind of been like their secret weapon. And okay, this year he's finally getting the full season ball. We can see what he can do. And he's got a, I'm not even making this up, an 18.69 ERA wow. and 32 walks in 13 innings. So they kind of shut him down. Oh, um, my God. You know, I guess the good news is Oscar de la Cruz hasn't been great, but he's been he's been healthy, which hasn't been you know true of him recently in A. So that's been positive. And I do think last year's first-round pick, Alex Lang, has been as good as advertised. I'll bet he's in A fairly soon. Brendan Little has struggled a little bit, but the stuff's still been pretty good. But, no, I mean – They've invested a lot in pitching, and, and as of right now, you know, Alzale's hurt, Alberto's can't throw strikes, Dilla Cruz is scuffling a little bit. It's, it's, not, um, it's not pretty. Stop the tape. Okay, so, a uh, question. How, oh, I already asked, how are they going to get a starting pitcher if one of the starting pitchers goes down? Yeah, uh, it would have to be from the major league team. Now, remember, you trade Russell, you move Baez over, you have Zobris, you have Hap to play second, All you right. have something okay. at the major Hold league level. Okay, hold that thought. Of course, yep. that's correct. Yeah. Is that what you want every day? And again, they're all good guys. They're all role players. Zobris now, if he's your everyday second baseman, but you're right. You could put Lestella a few uh, spot starts, Hap. But see, now you're putting, remember Earl Weaver never put a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> all of a sudden now, you're right, but then the dominoes start falling. It's not, it's, it's not going to be great either way. If they have to use assets, if they have them, to trade for a pitcher, that's a big problem. I mean, at some point, now if it's just one pitcher that goes down and the other four are doing well, I mean, they might be able to just survive, right? Montgomery? Uh, the, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, would, I would think Montgomery right. and then go get another left-handed guy in the pen. But what I was going to say, Murph, and mm-hmm. it just goes back to what I've said for a few weeks now, if your best players can't be your best players, you can only patch so much. Meaning, let's say Darvish is out and Chatwood never figures it out. There's only so much you can patch, especially right. in a rotation. So if it's one pitcher and maybe Montgomery moves up to four and you get a five and Chatwood figures it out, okay, you could do that. But if you're, if you're trying to find a two or a three in the middle of a pennant race with very little assets, you're right. You're going to deplete something that is probably going to hurt you. So that's, that's kind of my view. Jesse Rogers with us. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to mention something I noticed, and I'm not. This is not a criticism because you've been playing better than ever. But uh, remember, in the winter when you were with Kyle Schwarber and you were uh, helping him with the workout, you were throwing yeah. him the medicine ball and <laughs> sure. holding his ankles when he was doing the sit-ups. Remember all that? Oh yeah, yeah. He's gained again. This is nothing negative. He's gained some weight back. I've noticed that just me anecdotally watching, he looks a little bigger now than he did, you know, back in spring training. You sure and, it's just not the road uniforms? And in April, he needs those pinstripes yeah, like Babe Ruth to right. slim down. <laughs> but 
maybe it's good. I mean, he hits a home run. He's never been better in left field. He's thrown five guys out at the plate. He runs balls down in a corner, slides, you know, and one kick past him yesterday, I understand. But maybe if he's a little bigger, that's good. Or maybe it's just my TV's a horizontal hold. Uh, that was in the old days, Eric. Yeah, horizontal <laughs> and vertical hold. What do you think, yeah. Jesse? <laughs> I think he may. It, you might be right. You might be right. Because remember how noticeable it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've all gotten used to it. Sure. You might be right. I think his problems in left field right now, if there's ever, if there are any problems, have nothing to do with his body anymore or anything like that. It has to do with learning when to go after that ball at the wall and when to play it off. If he can do that, when, when to go dive for the ball, it's almost like the Elmore thing, but Elmore knows instinctively how to do it. It's just a, if he, I think if he gets more reps, he will be better, and he already is better. So that's kind of my view. But you might be right about not much, maybe a pound or two. You know what we're going to do? Remember the old expression, kiss? Keep it simple, stupid. Remember that? Uh-huh. Now we're going to play with Jesse Kiss. Keep it simple, shiny. Because Jesse's sort of shiny on top on those sunny days. <laughs> okay. All right. Kiss. Number one, Justin Wilson needs to step up big time to help replace the innings of C.J. Edwards. There's no doubt because of what I said before. There's no doubt because you just don't have enough plus relievers using, you know, air quotes there. For example, tonight, okay, he's starting Mike Montgomery. They're going to have to go to Luke Farrell or Corey Mazzoni and somehow finish with Justin Wilson. Those are the four pitchers for tonight's game unless he really wants to dip into the well. And Justin Wilson has to be the best of those three relievers. If he can do it, that's going to be fill a huge void. Kiss number two. It's pretty interesting what Joe has done with Zobrist. Now, the first month, Hap was leading off. The second month, and I'm, you know, give or take. The second yeah. month, it was Elmora. Now, what he's doing with Zobrist, almost lockstep, but occasionally different. He plays him two days in a row, off day. Two days in a row, off day. Two days in a row, off day. Going back now to uh, ooh, about... Uh, Three, four weeks. Okay. And not always. There's lefty-righty matchups, right. and all. don't get me wrong. But he's been doing a two-on-one-off, two-on-one-off, two-on-one-off starting. And this guy is red hot right now. People say, why does he mix and match and all that, you know? And uh, it's not a sophisticated discussion, so I hate to go here. <laughs> but it's actually working, isn't it? Well, it's so funny you bring that up. I asked all of this of Zobris last night after the game. I said, how about this rotation you're in? Do you feel like you know exactly what's coming? Because he's, he's such a feel guy. You know what I mean? Like at the plate, everything. He, just, he needs to know what the routine is, and he does. He's figuring it out with Joe, obviously. Basically, it's two on, one off, maybe three on, one off. He's feeling good physically, and here's the other thing. He is feeling great at the plate. He is he's streaky in a similar way that Rizzo is. When they feel it, they really feel it, and when they don't, they don't. So maybe Madden will back off when, when he loses that stroke. But right now, he's going to push the envelope with him as much as he can. He is absolutely locked in, and I think the two-on-one-off, is that, or three-on maybe, well, well, one-off yeah. is exactly mm-hmm. what he needs to do. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, shiny. Next. Bryant and Rizzo in the batting order. Fred, how long have I been saying I like them three and four? Uh-huh. I like the I want yep. men on base all across baseball. 
Oh, no, you got to bet your best guys two and three because they each get 18 more at-bats a year. Okay, fine and dandy. I'm not an idiot. I understand it. Now, for the last three, four weeks, things have been percolating, going a little better. Uh, he's been putting someone in the two-hole, some Hayward the last few days. He's had everybody up there in and out in the two-hole. But now he's settled on. Again, most of the time, Jesse. You're saying settled on, it'll probably change tonight. I know, I know. That's why I just said most of the time. But you've noticed this, Jesse. Brian Rizzo, uh, since about May uh, 1st or whatever, have been three and four. Yeah, you know, for a while I didn't think it mattered that much, but I'm, I'm on your side. I think it makes a lot, a lot of sense, but it also makes sense because of what's going on in front of them. Um, last I looked, going into last night, they were number three in on-base percentage from the f- number one hole and number one in on-base percentage from the two hole. Now, some of that's Bryant, but the point is mm-hmm. now we see Zobris getting on a lot, Elmore getting on a lot, uh, Baez even when he was up there, so it makes a lot more sense. Remember last year, Schwarber, nobody could get on from the leadoff spot, so maybe he wanted Bryant at two. But I'll tell you, Mike Bryant likes his son at three. You like his son at three. <laughs> I have no problem with it if you're getting two guys to feed Bryant and Rizzo. More on board. men on base. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the, and ooh, the last... Uh... I have one for you, too, Murph. Yes. I have a kiss for you, too. Oh, God love you. You're the best. <laughs> and you're, you're so cute these days. Really, you're really looking good. Uh, did, did you hear the umpires last night checked... Uh, uh, Jason Hayward's bat. I did not see that. Yeah, yeah, they found uh, he was using an illegal uh, rolled-up sporting news uh, last I knew night. You were say that. I knew uh, you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Over five, huh? Yeah, a uh, couple flyouts, a uh, uh, pop-up, uh, and a couple dribblers. But uh, that's okay. He's, he's been red hot, and hopefully he will again. Hey, Jess, before we get to your point, I'm always I'm always willing to uh, to pump what you're doing. Next week, a week from today, you got a thing. You're going to be sitting with a bunch of distinguished. Authors, aren't you? Are we there? Or, the, or no. they're going to be sitting with me, one or the other. Oh, that's right. look. <laughs> Chicago Tribune, uh, what do they call it? The Lit Fest, uh, yes. Printer's Row. Yeah. Uh, next Saturday from 12 to 1, a little baseball panel of uh, nice. baseball authors. I, I'm, again, using air quotes for authors. Um, so, yeah, that'll be next Saturday. Uh, speaking of which, yesterday, the pregame with Madden, there's like 20 people, reporters. And one New York reporter says, hey, Joe, I really want to hear about your book. What did you, what, did you put your philosophies in your book? And Joe points to me and says, he wrote the book. I don't, I don't know what's in there. <laughs> so, this guy thought Joe wrote the book, and he, so then he starts asking me about Joe's philosophy. By, anyway. by the way, it's a great book, and Jesse has a garage full of them up in Northbrook. And uh, you can uh, get the autographed uh, uh, signature by just meeting him in the back alley and handing him a $20 bill. Or, or how? jrogersbook at gmail.com jrogersbook at gmail.com good for Father's Day learn about Joe Madden's career uh, okay so what's the kiss you yeah. have here's the oh, kiss no, kiss. Kiss off. I mean, it is amazing this is just old school stats easy for people to understand but think about and this is why I defend the Cubs offense and how can you not listen to this after last night the Cubs in the National League first in batting average first in on base percentage first in slugging first in OPS Second in total runs scored only because they've played three less games than the Braves. They're two runs behind them. Hmm. I can't remember a time where they were first across the board. Not in 16. Let me tell you something about batting average. I know it's antiquated, but when you compare it to other teams, it it, it has meaning in my world. In 2015, they ranked 13th in batting average. In 16 and 17, they ranked 6th. Now they rank 1st. It's the Apple effect, a little bit of the Chili Davis effect. It's the maturing thing, all that combined. Think about that, folks. You have a first and average OPB slugging and OPS. 
the, the offense is fine. It is fine. It's the starting staff that has to get fixed, and it's getting there. It's getting there. And that's why they've had a great week, by the way. Great stuff. Jesse, thanks a million. I know it's going to be a busy uh, evening. We'll follow all your work, of course, ESPNChicago.com. And as I heard you talking about on one of your great uh, hits uh, uh, yesterday, uh, you're at Central Park. And I saw where all the Seinfeld uh, delis were and everything on the lower northern <laughs> eastern up uh, upside down side. But today, Jesse's not going to Central uh, Park. He's going to Central Park. <laughs> to see who we might find over there. <laughs> exactly, man. Thanks. I'm getting some coffee now because after this, you know I need like three more cups after talking to you There's guys. There's no doubt. You should have had them beforehand. <laughs> you guys are the best. Have a great weekend. All right. Right. See you, Shiny. See you guys. Good job, buddy. It's, I know we're late. Hey, Murph and Fred till noon. And when we return, got some socks. We got some bears. Uh, we got a few callers. John and Rolling Meadows will get to you. And vote right now. Our uh, 10.30. We'll find out your, your results. Uh, do you hate you, Darvish? Yes or no? Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. On the 50-yard line, halfway through, Murph and Fred, every Saturday, 9 till noon. You know, Jesse used to comment that a lot of people don't like, and I'm one of them, uh, uh, when he said if the season were to end today. Oh, you hate that. Uh, I'm not usually a big fan of that, uh-huh. but just so you know, if the season were to end today, for the first time I think this year, the Cubs would be in the playoffs really? because okay. they have now they have not reached the wild card. You have mm-hmm. Colorado, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. Your first place teams, Washington, and the Cubs right now would be the wild card teams. So um, the Cubs in second place in the division, just three back. Uh, again, if you're a Cub fan, you see a White Sox fan, just say thank you after the White Sox beat the Brewers last night. Let's bring in EO eleven uh, for the. Uh, results of our uh, 10 o'clock Twitter Twitter poll. Uh, if you didn't vote yet, too late. Yes or no, do you hate you? I hate myself. No, 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 no. Do you hate you, Darvish? Obviously, the reason for the uh, question. Uh, a few days ago, catcher Jimenez, and Fred, you were talking about this earlier, said, I believe, I, I think... Yeah, here's a, I, I brought it up. Here's exactly what he said. Okay. He said, I think he thinks that Chicago hates him for going on the DL a couple times. I've tried to portray to him, listen, mm-hmm. they're going to love you when you get to October and we're doing the things uh, that they all want to see him do. And it got a little bit uh, misconstrued that he said, Darvish thinks everyone hates him. Well, he was not quoting him. He was just saying, I think. So who knows? Well, he knows him better than anybody. So well, he might have told him that, but he yeah, didn't. But he might have. But he didn't say. Right. He said. So, uh, no, I don't hate him. You know what? Cub fans need him. He's getting a lot of money, so no one's happy with him right now. Uh, you know, Theo. No one's no one's upset for the guy that gave him 126 million, and when there was a lot of word on the street even before the signing in the offseason that. There were things you want to check out about uh, between the ears for uh, Darvish. So uh, I'm going to say that uh, the fans voted uh, no. Uh, no, I don't hate him resoundingly. Uh, uh, I'm going to go 60-40. I think uh, Cub fans are a little upset. 
and they're, they're just uh, quick to react to this. Okay. Now, there's no White Sox fans would infiltrate this vote no. and vote, uh, yes, I hate him just because he's a Cub. No, they would like him. I'm going to say uh, Oppo. 60% say no, uh, I don't hate him. Uh, Eric, did you vote? Um, I, there's no reason to actually hate an athlete in general unless they're a horrible <laughs> human being. So I would not say I well, hate him. Well, wait a minute. Him. I hated Carlos Pena when the Cubs had him playing first base. You still don't like him on no. MLB Network. No, I don't like, I don't like his, his hair. But when he was with the Cubs, the pulse shift was just beginning. He batted lefty, jacked those home runs to right field, hit like 198 with 30 homers. I guess, and on that, don't, you know, whatever. But... He never once tried to lay a bunt down the third base side or even hit a ground ball towards the... The whole left side was vacant. Yeah. And he hits 198. Oh, don't worry about batting average. And then I heard him about a year ago, all dressed up nice with his nice $500 haircut. And he says, oh, yeah, I know. I was a home run. This is two years ago. Yeah, And he I played remember. 10 years ago. Oh, no, no. I never, I never wanted to go the other way and get a hit. I was being paid to hit home runs. That's what he said. So I, I think I did hate him. I heard as him a say player, it. not yeah. him as a person. So what are the what are the, what are the results? Yeah. Okay, so eighty three percent of the people say no, they do not hate you, Darvish. Huh. And they don't the hate kinder, gentler era. Right. You yeah. should feel a little bit better about himself but, now. But do they hate you, Eric? That that's it's probably the other way around. Probably eighty three percent yes oh, on that one. Do you hate you? Eighty three percent. Okay, that gives me a let's say no, I don't hate him. Vote right now, ten thirty. Are you rooting for Cleveland or Golden State? I think people not I, the sympathy vote, you know. Right. A lot of people. I don't like LeBron. I don't. All of a sudden, no. I bet this result is a little different than we may think. Let's go to the phones. He's been patient. Rolling Meadows, John. Thanks for holding. Murph and Freddie is paying one thousand. Hello, Johnson. Hey guys, how are you? Thanks for taking the call. Thank you. Um, I'm going back to that play at the plate that where Rizzo had that late slide and that kicking motion, trying to interfere with the catcher's throw to first. I was watching the game at home here, and the minute I saw Rizzo start making that kicking motion, I'm like, there's no way he scores on that. He's out, first of all. It was a late slide to begin with. He didn't need to slide. The catcher was giving up that run. He was going to make the play at first. Well, not give it up. up. Yeah, not give it up he the was, run because he, he already came off the plate. So the run, he was already out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... For him to kick at the catcher like that, the umpire should have noticed that right off the bat that he was trying to well, tangle up with the catcher. John, of course, there were, John, there were, mean, John, we know that there were four umpires who missed it, and the review guys in New York missed it. Uh, you, you know, I know that he veered, uh, altered his route, whatever the actual phrase in the rule. I but, used to be an umpire. Well, I mean, I used to play. Called, I used to ump. Well, I mean, was a double play. You look. Well, it was a double play. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. It's an automatic double play. But that's okay. Hey, you know what's interesting, Fred? When you, you, you read and uh, the, you read little notes about the Bears, uh-huh. and, and you hear some sound bites on ESPN 1000 from, uh, you know, guys like a, a JD. And, and, and you try to figure out, you know, what's going on? How about this? I got two or three on the Bears yellow pad real quick. Okay. This is from Adam Johns. Anyone out there, raise your hand. Even if you're driving, I don't care. Raise one of your hands. Roy Robertson Harris. Remember that name? 
He was a, had some uh, playing time last right. year. Sure did. Big. Made some nice plays. Defensive end. Yep, young guy. Right. Not a uh, outside linebacker. Defensive end, as I recall. Uh, this is Adam Johns. Roy Robertson Harris is taking the right steps towards filling the starting hole Ooh. left by Mitch Unrein's departure. Huh. Last year at this time, he's taking steps towards starting. Yeah. Last year at this time, Adam John says, Robertson Harris, uh, an undrafted free agent from El pa- Texas El Paso in 2016, he was in the early stages a year ago this time of a major adjustment. I don't, re- I didn't know this. The Bears moved him from outside linebacker to defensive end. The five technique. That means he lines up in the, against the five right. hole over there. To make the shift, Robertson Harris added roughly 30 pounds to his 6'7 frame. He's now listed at 294. Pretty good. He looks like visually, I'm not saying yeah. talent, like a Richard Dent type guy out there on the end. Uh, he's now listed at 290. So Except was, he would actually chase down a runner on the other side of well, the line of scrimmage. No, I, I said just physically, okay. size-wise, okay. for an image uh-huh. in radio out there, in radio. Like, okay. You know. Now, here's uh, Patrick Finley this week. Uh, both those guys, sometimes guys. And he had a big story, Bears story. Uh, the headline writer called it Small Wonders. Mm-hmm. Bears head coach, Nagy, mulling over the option... Of having tiny speedsters, Cohen and Gabriel, the new uh, right. uh, wide receiver, uh, uh, slot guy, on the field at the same time. Now, sure. I never thought, well, see, I never thought there was any doubt about this. No, neither did I. I thought it was automatic. You're going to see these two. In the old days, they called them like scatbacks, you know. Yeah, because. Uh, because little uh, water Cohen's, beetle. Yeah, Cohen's. Cohen, you're not going to put Cohen in the slot. You got to take Tyler Gabriel for that point. You want both of them out there because yeah. you want to just get the ball in their hands. And plus, it's a you know deception. You got Taylor Gabriel. They got to cover him. Yeah. And then you've got all of a sudden Cohen coming out of the backfield. Right. Yeah. I expected them both to be out there at the same time. And now Gabriel, they say, can also play wide out, even though he's tiny. Mm-hmm. But uh, slot or wide out with Cohen, uh, I thought it was automatic. Bears Nagy mulling over the option. So. You know, when Patrick Finley phrases it that way, that means it's still not a done deal. Yeah. That's how that's how guys like Patrick Finley tell you what's happening in their opinion. But here's the uh, coup de grace, as someone once said. Talking about Jordan Howard. Okay. All right. And Fred, I know you have some of these notes over there to these numbers. A more sophisticated offense. This is David Haw, Tribune. I'm sorry, David Haw. A more sophisticated offense for the Bears will help Howard's cause, limiting the defenses who never respected the Bears' passing game. Asked which opponents most successfully stacked the box, you know, eight in a box, bring the strong safety up, eight in a box, he immediately, Howard, named the teams that stacked the box on him. Buccaneers, Eagles, Lions, and Vikings. That's six games. Yep. Lions and Vikings twice. Oh, my. In these four, well, he wrote here in these four games, it would be six games. Howard gained 59 yards on 35 carries. That's terrible. Yeah, it is. That broke down. I got my little calculator out. 1.7 yards per run. But that's not all. Adam Johns wrote on the same topic. According, according to the NFL Next Generation Statistics... 
Can I look at those? Or is there only uh, EL11 can only, look at those? Only the younger guys According it. It's to invisible to us. NFL generation, quotes, statistics. Listen to this. Howard faced eight in the box on 43% of his 276 uh, rushing attempts. So call it almost half the time. Almost half. He was eight in the box. Only two starting running backs faced a higher percentage. So he was 30th in the league, or third, rather. Look at it the other way. What am I saying? Third in the league and facing eight in the box, only behind Panthers' Jonathan Stewart and Jags' Leonard uh, Fournette as primary starters. So this guy, half the time he's running into eight in the box, he's not picking up anything, and he's doing it more than anyone in the league except two other guys. That's not going to happen anymore. No, it's not. Hopefully, with the with all of the weapons they're going to have now, with Allen Robinson and with Taylor Gabriel and everything else, he'll get some more uh, spaces to run. That'd be fun to see. We're up against the clock, but Tom's holding in Chicago. Tom, is that you? It sure is. Only uh, got a minute, uh, buddy. Only got a minute. Go. Okay, here it is. What will the backlash be if if uh, Cam Meredith becomes a big success and Robinson and all the other the tens of millions of dollars spent in contracts uh, turn out to be not so good. Thank what you, Tom. Like? Well, you know the well, answer to that. I, I know it'll be... I'm already upset about it because they said last week it came out that uh, Cam Meredith was already participating in practices, and he said how excited he was to be catching the ball from a Hall of Fame uh, quarterback like Drew Brees. It was a bad move by the Bears. We'll wait and see how it plays out, but I expect Meredith to have one of his better seasons. He may not have as many catches as he had with the Bears, but he may score more and um, maybe have more yards. Good call. Fun again. Thanks a lot. Up against the clock. Hey, when we return, the famous... One third game. Fred and I are going to play that. And at the top of the hour, stick around for this. If you're one of those people like I have always been and Fred, I think no one plays baseball anymore. These young kids, you drive by the park, no one's out there. There's a whole new movement afoot and statistics from sporting good manufacturer associations that say, wait a minute now. Not only is the tide, is the tide changing, it's trending big time. But not in the way you think. It's not organized ball. It's uh, 500. It's a bounce and fly. It's against the wall. Yeah, we call it against the wall. Some people call it hot box. Is that well, no, hot box? Against the wall is when you put a square right. on What's the... What's hot box? Well, that's rundown. Uh, running ba- running, running back bases? and forth. Yeah. Okay. Every neighborhood's got different names. Yeah. But now kids are going to be playing. They're doing that because they don't want to be organized. They don't want to have to buy uniforms, go on travel teams, buy all the equipment, find a, an umpire in a league and 18 guys. So it's very interesting. Stick around. We'll have that with our, our good buddy Bradford Doolittle uh, from ESPN. Also, busy day back in a flash. The one third game. Murph and Fred next. ESPN 1000. Vote now. The new game that's not sweeping the nation. The one-third game. All right, Fred, here we go. The baseball season, the Cubs have played 54 games. The White Sox have played 54 games. It's a Saturday now, and we're on the radio. 162-game season, the one-third game. Divided by one-third is 54. The season's exactly one-third over. All right, Fred, let's look at the uh, one-third game. Chris Bryant at the one-third mark. Eight homers, 
times three would be 24. Do you think it'd be over or under 24? That's where he's sitting now. Eight times three, 24. Oh, I know. Let's just we'll say over or under the two of us on the count of three. Okay. One, two, three, over. over. All right. Yep. I can put no him down doubt there. Like 28 to 30, we'll put that. All right. Uh, White Sox starting pitcher. Uh, Lopez. Is that Ronaldo or Ronaldo? Ronaldo Lopez. Ronaldo yeah. Lopez. Has struggled two of his last three outings. I know. He's one and Badly. F- he's one and four. Yeah. Times three. So he should end up three and 12. Uh-huh. Do you think his record will be better to worse or the same uh, three and 12 when the season ends? Better, worse, or the same? One, two, three. Better. The same. All right. Better. What do you got him? About five, five wins? Uh, he may even come up with seven. Seven? I got him with seven All wins. Right. All right. I'm writing this down for October That's 1st. Fine. All right. The one-third game continues. Brandon Morrow, Cubs closer. Last night registered his 14th save. Times three is 42. Mm-hmm. He'll have uh, more, fewer, you know, everybody says less when they mean fewer, yeah. but doesn't bother me. Those things don't bother me anymore. You know what? We don't have we don't have time right now for uh, what's your beef? Fewer, not less. Uh, so, Brendan, sorry, Brendan Moore, fourteen saves, forty two uh, would be the projection. More, fewer, or the same on the count of three. One, two, three. The fewer. same. Fewer. You should have said less. Yeah, I know I was going to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just to get the cow back uh-huh. in, the, in the room here. Uh, the one-third game. Jose Abreu. More. 30, 31. Nine homers, 31 ribeyes, as Joe Madden calls them. Yep. All right, 31 ribeyes times a three is 93 RBIs. Just go over or under on this. Count of three. One, two, three. Over. Over. Did you know? I'm sure he has had 100 RBIs or more yep. each of the four years. That's an amazing run. 20, 25 and 100 each of the last yeah. uh, four years. 100 His first four years in the big more. leagues, there's only like two other players who have ever done that. Exactly right. Uh, John Lester, mm-hmm. he's fi- sitting on five and two. Okay. Times three would be 15 and six. Better record, the same or worse? Fifteen and six ain't too shabby. Nope. Count of three. One, two, three. The better. same. You got him better. Better. All right. He's going to win seventeen games. Seventeen and uh, six, something like that. Seven, uh, seven, seventeen, and seven. Right. Seventeen and seven. Uh, not like bad. That. Not bad. Uh, uh, Wilson Contreras, Willie behind a plate, sitting on four home runs, projecting times three. It is the one-third game. Twelve homers. By the way, last year, 21. Uh-huh. Uh, Twelve homers uh, projected uh, more, fewer, or uh, 12 on the count of three. One, two, three. More. more. Yeah, he's going to come he's, out of his uh, yeah. little slump. He's got to hit at least 18 with 70 ribbies. Last year, 21 and 74. And now here's where he put the money down. White Sox and Cubs. Cubs right now, uh, White Sox right now. Sox are uh, 17 and 37, projects to 51 wins, 111. Sox more, the same or fewer, 
51 wins and 11 counted three one two three more fewer the only reason i say that if they're going to trade off anybody it's going to make it tough if it, james shields now you know uh-huh. the rumors out there again and right I don't know about Abreu. That's a that's a whole topic uh, we can get into later. Cubs thirty one and twenty three this morning, ninety three and sixty nine. Final one count of three one two three more. Same same ninety three sixty nine. Not bad. I only say more because they were really scuffling the first uh, you know three four five weeks trying to get their head above water. Right. The famous. One third game. Hopefully, you won't hear that again till uh, the fifty uh, percent game in about a month. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Stick around when we return. Can't wait to find out. Is it true that youth, not just youth baseball, but youth participation in baseball in the sandlots in the backyard is skyrocketing, even though everyone says no one plays anymore. Murph and Fred back in a flash. Oh. And our final uh, Twitter poll for the final uh, half hour was, uh, you are rooting for Cleveland or you're rooting for Golden State. I think Cleveland, Fred, is going to get a big sympathy comeback. I got Cleveland at about 66 to 70 percent. No one hates LeBron, I don't think, today. I'm going to say Golden State, 85 percent. Yeah, you're probably right. Eric? Warriors, 62 percent. Oh, okay. Thought it would be a little higher. Okay, 62, and uh, what the heck is that, 38? You're making me work here today. 38% rooting for Cleveland. Murph and Fred, hour number three next. Vote now at ESPN 1000 for our 11 11 o'clock Twitter poll. Officiating is getting worse in all sports, yes or no? Your home for Chicago sports. This is WMVP AM Chicago. ESPN 1000 and ESPN app. Oh, wow. Hour number three, Mike Murphy, Fred Huebner. Glad you're with us. Hope your Saturday is off to a great start. And we appreciate you joining us Sunday, Saturdays. That'll be Fred Join tomorrow. me on Sunday with uh, Black and Abdallah. We'll be here talking hoops Nine. and stuff like that. Good, cool. Nine till noon Saturdays. All right, uh, so I saw this interesting piece, uh, Bradford Doolittle, always writing great stuff, a featured columnist for ESPN. He'll join us in a moment. Is baseball participation among youth actually growing? And I remember 25, 30 years ago in Sports Talk Radio, I drive by the park, nobody's out there playing anything. We used to be out there with two, three guys. Morning till night until lights came on and playing, all that stuff. Uh, hot box, you know, running bases, uh, 500. Yeah, we played uh, sewer to third. We'd play three guys on a team. Right field out. You'd put a bicycle out there because you didn't have enough guys on the field. Yeah, we had a sewer between second and third. Now it's sewer, sewer to third. Yeah. Sewer to the right out. Uh-huh. Well participation among youth says here is it actually growing last week uh bradford does uh, says i engaged in a q a with nba owner tech world iconoclast mark cuban about how he perceives baseball after that i was emailed some data or do you say data uh on trends regarding youth participation here's the key to verify what i had been sent 
I contacted the Sports and Fitness Industry Association, a trade association that works on behalf of the sports and fitness industry uh, to promote participation and gather data. The important thing to note, uh, Doolittle continues, is that uh, the uh, association represents here the sporting goods industry at large, not a particular sport. The data looked at youth participation, not just on the formal level, this is also key, such as little league teams, traveling teams, but at what they call the level of casual engagement. Something we used to call playing ball in the backyard of the playground, just getting some guys together, you know, throwing the ball around. Yep. Uh, a million stats here, I won't bore you, but uh, uh, baseball participation uh, is is up uh, from 2014 to 2016, growing. Baseball now has more participants than soccer and football, flag and tackle combined. If you, partic- if you combine baseball and softball participation, again, doesn't have to be with an organized league or team. Uh, if you combine it, uh, baseball has seen a 49% increase in casual participation. The growth is accelerating. And here, soccer had edged past baseball in total participation by 2011, but its advantage was brief. By 2016, baseball had uh, roughly 2.8 million more participants than soccer. And Fred, you said, I drive around. I never see anybody playing. No, don't <laughs> see anybody playing on the baseball fields. It's surprising to me, but those are the numbers. Let's go to our guest, uh, uh, Bradford Doolittle, as uh, featured columnist ESPN, who also, later in this fine piece, actually had uh, some uh, interview with uh, Rob Manford, commissioner of uh, Major League Baseball's, uh, one of his uh, vice president assistants, who is uh, behind the new hit-and-run program, one Chris Marinak. Uh, but let's say hello to Bradford. Do a little. Mike Murphy here and Fred. Hey, Bradford. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, We're, Bradford. What's hey, up? Loved your piece, man. Uh, really captured uh, me because Fred and I, we've been doing this for a long, long time. And back in the early days of Sports Talk Radio, Bradford, the topic was uh, even then. Uh, you drive around, no one's playing ball anymore. But uh, you, I don't want to say stumbled onto an interesting topic, but discovered is a better word, this interesting topic. How did you get onto this? And uh, uh, what was uh, the most surprising thing you heard? Then we want to hear about your uh, interview with uh, the uh, commissioner's uh, assistant. Well, I mean, I think to say that I stumbled on it is pretty accurate. I mean, if you know, I I can't say that I uh, uh, intended to, to do an inquiry into the state of youth baseball, but mm-hmm. I have been sort of working on uh, a number of things related to overall baseball trends and some of the policy decisions that they may be making over the next few years. You know, things like pace of play and and limiting mound visits and and things that have been in the news and and just trying to see what the end game to all of this is. And coincidentally, a, a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember the, the, the Supreme Court decision came down that uh, lifted the ban on, uh, on sports gambling, you know, at the state level. Sure. And, um, and reading responses to that, they, they went to Mark Cuban, USA Today is where I read this, and, and just completely without context and unbidden, he said, baseball games could actually be fun to go to again. And I thought, well, what, 
what is that? You uh-huh. know, and 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 I you know I I covered the NBA for a couple of years, so I had had a. Uh, I had dealt with uh, Cuban on a few occasions, and so I just uh, emailed him and I said, "Hey, I want to do a baseball-related Q and A with you." And and at first he he said, oh, "I'll I'll pass," but then an hour later he's like, "Yeah, send me some questions." And so we went back and forth a little bit, and what he said was basically, "Well, the game is uh, you know painfully slow and boring, and it doesn't connect with kids." And he was saying how his sons when they uh, started playing in youth leagues. He was shocked how a lot of the kids there didn't even seem to understand the rules of baseball or the, or the positions, and they were there because their parents signed up for them, not because they cared about playing baseball. And, you know, so I let him have his say. I had invited him to do the q and I didn't endorse or dispute what he wrote. Um, the next morning, I got emailed some data um, which I, I found really intriguing. And so I, I, I sought out this uh, association to look into it, and they sent me pages and pages of numbers that I, I went through, and, and you, you summed it up. Um, participation has been increasing the last few years, and um, it's, not, uh, it's not an accident. It's a situation that Major League Baseball realized needed to be addressed. You know, if you want to to grow the game in the future, obviously you can't lose the connection with uh, young people because that's your future customer base. And so they started rolling out programs in 2015, and apparently these things are, are really paying dividends, at least according to the, the data I was able to, to get a hold of. Cool. Visiting uh, Bradford, uh, a new little ESPN uh, featured columnist. Fred, you and I were looking this over uh, a little earlier, and what it appears to be, everybody, is instead of organized participation, I remember back, you know, I, I helped invent the game with, uh, uh, you know, the early days with uh, Double uh, Day, baseball, right? Double Day, yeah. and uh, Chadwick, the other guy, and uh, uh, I had a uh, like third grade teacher. And he said, boy, you know, when I was a kid, that was a long time ago because I was a kid. And he's talking about when I was a kid, he says, we didn't have little. Like, we just went out and played or, you know, found some guys. So, uh, Fred uh, uh, Bradford, it's organized participation that is what they're trying to give kids an option away from, is the way I read your piece, into casual participation. Yeah. And how does that break down and why is that different? Well, I mean, they... Uh, or- First of all, the, the participation in organized leagues um, is actually up as well, but it, it pales in comparison to the increase that they've seen in casual participation. And, you know, I actually asked them specifically about those games that I also played when I was uh, growing up, and I was a kid in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, grew up in rural Iowa, and, and during the summer, you know, I just went around everywhere with my ball glove and roamed around town, and we played all of those games, and it, you know, now I, I I don't have kids, and I live in downtown Chicago, so I'm pretty removed from uh, those kind of trends. But you know, I was pretty shocked to you know have that realization that that's just a thing that the, the kids don't do anymore. I mean, I, I can't imagine growing up without that being around. What so, are some of the? Excuse um, me. So some of the games, uh, uh, the younger listeners, EO11. Have you ever heard of any of these? 
500. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, we used to have Bouncer Fly. Uh, hot Box, also known around at LaGrange out there, running bases. Yep, running bases. You definitely know, played that all, a ton. Uh, regional phrases. Uh, pepper, where you just, you know, pep. Mm-hmm. A, a kickball, which is with, you know, a big, like, utility ball, like a soccer mm-hmm. ball. But you, you learn how to run to first and not run to third. You know, you learn, throw the yep. ball, throw the soccer ball or the utility well, into second base. And wiffle ball was great because wiffle ball, all you need was the wiffle bat and the wiffle ball. You don't need a glove. You yeah, don't need anything. Expensive. And you can play it in someone's yard. Uh, over that, over the fence would be a homer. It'd be really easy with whiff, wiffle ball. And some of the yards nowadays would be bigger than Fenway. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, wiffle ball is the thing that would probably be the easiest because they don't have to worry about getting hurt. The ball's so soft. You only need two them. guys, yeah, four guys. You don't need many people. But Bradford, what about the expense? You always well, soccer's easy uh, because you don't need to buy all the equipment. I need the ball, basketball. Oh, of course. You know, you don't have to Same buy thing. all the equipment like football or baseball. Eighteen gloves. Gloves, mitts, you know. So it's it's uh, economics, Bradford, and it's uh, a way to get kids to have fun, not organized. Oh, I got to go to this organized game. I don't even like the manager, the uniforms. It's really a great idea. It's called a hit and run program, right? Yep. Yeah, and I mean that's exactly what it is. It's just teaching kids that there are all of these different ways to play baseball that. You don't necessarily have to go out and buy all the equipment. You don't have to join a travel team. You know, if you have a few, just, you know, a handful of people together or two or three people, there are different ways to play. And, um, you know, and, and if they can just teach kids that it's fun to do that and it's a way to hang out with your friends and be outside and, and all of those things that we took for granted growing up, then, you know, then that is uh, a way to bring people into the game. And, um, I, you know, I do think it's a, uh, a, a brilliant idea, you know, uh, for Major League Baseball to take on that role because you don't necessarily think of baseball being involved in um, uh, how kids are playing baseball or yeah. softball or whatever, uh-huh. but they have taken on that. They realize that they need to take part in every facet of the game in this country if they want to continue to stay on top of, of, of trends, of, of uh, dealing with technological changes and the way that kids uh, uh, parse out their attention <laughs> and things like that, sure. and so they've taken on an active role. And I think it's, uh, uh, you know, and you know, when you hear about it, it sounds like a no brainer. But um, it, you know, somebody still had to to make that decision, and um, and uh, they've done that. And you know, I think it's uh, it's going to pay pay off for them in the long run. And uh, you uh, had a uh, interview. I don't know if that was uh, email or whatever, but. With uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred, MLB Commissioner's uh, Vice President to the Commissioner, uh, Chris uh, Marinak, if I'm pronouncing it right. And some yeah. of your notes, is what I love, Fred. He was mentioning, hey, you don't need to sign up for a team. You just meet your buddies and you do, you kick the ball around, you play running bases. You don't have to get uniforms. You don't have to get equipment. You don't need umpires. No travel team. But you know what he forgot to say? No parents! There's no parents. You just meet your buddies out there and seven of you. Well, you figure out a way to do something, right? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, he did, he kind of addressed, uh, you know, the the idea where he goes to baseball conventions and things, and he'll have uh, uh, older people come up to him and say, nobody plays sandlot ball anymore and it's ruining the game. And he said, you know, the, the reason of, 
program, a formal program like this is necessary is because things have changed. I mean, the reality is parents just don't turn their kids outside and let them stay out right. until the sun goes down anymore. And, you know, I think it's a sad reality that things have, have evolved that way, but I also understand it. And baseball can't fight against that. You can't, can't tell people how to parent their children. So you have to work within yeah. the, the constrictions of society the way it is. And, and so they're trying to do that while uh, at the same time recapture those elements that uh, were so special about everybody being able to participate in the game, even if they weren't going to go on to play in high school or college sure. or much less the major league. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Uh, let's bring in Eric Ostrowski, our uh, producer, to get a different uh, age uh, demo in here. Uh, Eric, uh, and you're a baseball guy, have you ever heard of some of these uh, archaic uh, names? Uh, uh, kickball 500, you know what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Like, honey, okay, so you have, like, a group of people on one side, and right. whoever's, like, the, the person that's it, they throw the ball in the air, and the way we played is... Fungo, just fungo it. Oh, you'd hit, we'd just throw it, is what we did, but we would call oh, out, like, this one's worth 100, oh, this one's worth 300, cool. and, or jackpot. So, yeah, same thing. Jack, See, we had, ours jackpot. was different. Mm-hmm. Ours was different. You cut it on the fly, it was 100, bounce was right. 50, two bounces was, you know, yeah. and, 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 it, and it went down in order. One and, bounce, 75, and you two had to bounce, call 50, it. You had to call it, uh, <laughs> because there were so many, there were four guys or five guys guys going after each ball still so, rolling number yeah. still rolling yeah you still rolling 25. you get 25 points yeah, if it rolled dead you got nothing uh-huh. did you have that in iowa uh may i ask uh, bradford uh the 500 yeah we did uh <laughs> you know you and, you and your guys memory for the specific rules is a lot better than mine but uh <laughs> we did play it i also remember we played a variation with football we we did with the baseball we uh did fungos but um then we would also just play football where somebody would go and just like throw uh uh, you know, an alley oop pass from like forty yards away, and then we would all beat the crap out of each other trying to catch it. Same way, yeah. Um, the other, uh, <laughs> the other game that we played, which I think is actually uh, an Iowa thing, um, was called knockout. Where you know you would have if you had uh, enough people to to play all the positions on the field, although you didn't have to have all the positions filled. Um, you know, you would have a pitcher and a batter, and then when the batter would make, make an out, whether it was a, a ground ball that was short or a fly ball to the outfield, whoever caught the ball in the field would then come in and bat, and everybody would rotate around sure. you know, in the next position. <laughs> and the great thing about that is you you got experience playing every position. You got to pitch. You got to hit. You got to play, take grounders in the infield. You got to chase down fly balls. So you got to experience like every part of the game and figure out what you were good at and um, you know, and I think uh, he, uh, Chris, um, addressed that. And what he was saying is, they want kids to, to to experience every part of playing. You know, running the bases and getting plenty of chances to bat. And so that's what some of the these uh, derivations of the game that they're introducing are, are meant to do. Yeah, Bradford's probably not telling everybody, but Bradford probably wa- you probably walked out of the cornfields in uh, in in, in uh, Dyersville, right? They built it and he got there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, grew, I I did grow up on a farm. I mean, I literally grew up with uh, corn on all four sides of the of our uh, our property. So, uh, and um, the edge when we when I would play in the yard with my brother and we would you know pitch and hit. I mean, it was if you were able to get the ball over the the first row of corn that was our home run. There and you then go. We had, would have to go. And then we would have to go in there and try to find, find the it. Ball right. And, 
It didn't always happen. Hey, uh, Bradford, we have a soundbite here uh, from about a month or two ago. Uh, our uh, shows during the day, uh, one of our fine producers, uh, Danny Zetterman, we captured this a while ago. He's talking about four- and five-year-olds playing organized t-ball uh, these days. Let's Let's listen in. I was all gung-ho. I was super excited. You have to be four years old to be able to sign up for T-Ball. So this spring, my oldest, Avery, is going to get to play T-Ball. I signed him up. I was super excited. I'm like, yeah, T-Ball, here we come. My brother-in-law, Joe, my husband's, my wife's brother, says to me, he's like, dude, T-Ball is the most boring sport to watch. He's <laughs> it is, like, it's awful. It's awful. He's like, there is nothing worse than going to your kid's T-Ball game. It's brutal. I mean, it is absolutely brutal. So, organized. You know what? Maybe four years old is pretty extreme. A little early. Yeah. But you know what? Six years old. So you just you know, go find a couple of buddies and you play 500, bounce and fly, running bases. Uh, that's exactly what you're uh, – uh, this whole thing is based on no parents and learn the game a little bit, the nuances on your own, make up games, make up rules. Right, Bradford? Yeah, that's what it is. You know, T-ball has always been kind of baffling to me. I, I mean, it, I, it, it, I never played T-ball. It wasn't an option in my town. Yeah. And, I mean, once you played in Little League, you know, when if you were at the youngest age, unless you were just, like, really, really advanced, you probably didn't play very much. They would make sure you played at least an inning in the field and get at least one at bat. Yeah. But you still were going against pitchers. You just, you know, they were – tended to be the older kids and you couldn't hit them, but then the next year you could do a little better. And then yes. the third year you moved into a different league. <laughs> there you go. And then it was like, it was like right after I got out of little league is when all of a sudden T-ball showed up and I thought, what is that? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a final caller here. Uh, nice of Redford do a little uh, featured columnist ESPN to spend a few minutes with Murph and Freddie ESPN, uh, 1000, uh, Geneva checking in. Is that you Brooks? That's me. Good morning, Murph and Fred. Thank well, you for taking my call. You're not far from Iowa over there. <laughs> not that far. <laughs> not too far. Not too uh, far. One thing, I one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, going along with your conversation here with Mr. Bradford, is um, how some of the analytics or the data is skewed because although you're talking about youth sports and their participation, um, you know, a lot of people get into softball and baseball a little bit later, uh, as for me. I was a three-sport athlete throughout high school and never picked up and never played baseball at all. But once I started working in the corporate America realm and started getting out, um, that was the first time I went back out and purchased a mitt, some batting gloves, some shoes, and things like that. So one thing to consider is those analytics are going to be skewed a little bit, um, and it's not all just premised around youth sports because of the participation from adults at a later uh, point in life. So. Okay. Just to kind of bench on that. All right, thanks, Brooks. Uh, you can, yes, numbers are always a tricky to figure, but the uh, a certain trend is, as we uh, leave you, Bradford, is that baseball participation uh, is trending upward. Uh, one of the stats has it uh, ahead of uh, soccer uh, again right now. That's the part that surprised me the most, not because I'm a soccer guy, but just because there's so much, there's so many fields out there, and they're all over the place. Yeah. And I even think I even think some soccer fields have taken over what used to be baseball fields. And uh, so that's why it's, those numbers surprised me just a little bit. Plus, soccer just seems like an easy sport that they can, you know, uh, people can put their, their young Youngsters in, they can just run around, all chase the ball, and then whenever the game's over, but go home. Parents there that way. Yeah, We're I talking know. no parents out there in the cornfield, right? Yeah.
<laughs> That'd be fine with me. You know, so- so- soccer was didn't make it out to the cornfield, so, <laughs> so you know that was another thing that wasn't an option. Not a lot of big soccer stars coming from Iowa. And just Shula's no. Joe, Shula's <laughs> Joe coming through the uh, cornfield. Hey, great stuff. Hey, Bradford, uh, you also not for today. You wrote an interesting piece about the uh, humidors. Maybe in a couple of weeks, if you have a few more minutes, we appreciate your personal time. Love to uh, talk a little bit about the humidors. Oh, Murph, that sounds boring. No, no, you got to be a, a smoker. Not if you're a scientist. <laughs> you got to know exactly. Not if you've got a cigar in one yeah. mouth and uh, you sign your mouth like Vince Lloyd. All right. Hey, thanks for all your personal time. Great stuff. Baseball participation among the youth appears to be growing. And MLB says, you know what? Just casual participation. I love it. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it, Bradford. All right. Thanks, guys. Be good. Thanks, right. Bradford. See you later. Sometimes, every it's once in a while, when Jesse's got some time off, Bradford covers the uh, the Cubs for us. Oh, and you'll yeah. follow, follow some of his stuff on ESPN.com uh, and ESPNChicago.com. So, great piece. And uh, last chance, vote right now. We'll have the results when we return. Officiating is getting worse. Yes or no? See, up to a couple of years ago, I used to always drive around with with a baseball glove in my car. Now I drive around with empty beer growlers to fill up. I don't know where that where those things change. Who's growling? I would love a beer right now. <laughs> Back in a flash, vote at ESPN one thousand. Murph and Fred on the home stretch. Saturday's 9 till noon. Fred's going to have a beer. Well, yeah, because uh, Buckle Down Brewing out in Lyons, they've got their uh, grapefruit belt and suspenders release today. It's a uh, lovely uh, hmm. beverage. It comes out once a year, and mm-hmm. uh, they've got the release today, the party right there. So I'll, uh, Belt and beverage? Belt and suspenders. Suspenders. Yeah, Buckle Down Brewing. Speaking of Randy Hundley, happy birthday yesterday to the old the rebel, as his nickname was back then. He used to he used to catch 158, 160 games a year, uh, and he was never like you know big strong compared to you know nowadays. And he'd lose weight. Leo played him every day, 90 degrees, you know, 14 days in a row, 90 degrees, yeah. 90. Didn't Leo put him out? The guy went from like 170 down to about 155 pounds. Couldn't you know just skinny as a rail. He used to he used to wear suspenders in August and September. Because he, he lost so much weight. Yeah. I said to him one day, hey, Rebel, like the suspenders. And I goes, got to wear them to keep my britches from falling down. <laughs> he had the most beautiful accent. Much better than I tried to portray. Uh, let's bring in EO 11. Oh, really quickly. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Scott Merkin from MLB.com. Oh, I like him. With a, a note on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Bob Euchre is going to join Hawk for an inning tomorrow night nice. or tomorrow afternoon. Will the uh-huh. White Sox play the Brewers and a Hawk doing the Sunday games? And uh, this is going to be one to listen to with Hawk and Bob Euchre. That should be fun. So a uh, couple guys in the booth, and uh, hopefully it's a long inning. That'll be great. That'll be fun. That'll be great. Uh, let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. And our uh, Twitter poll last half hour, all officiating is getting worse. Yes or no? I got to put about the ninety-nine percent. Yes, I'm guessing on this, Fred. You said all in, all officiating, all, all leagues, all yeah. Oh yeah, it's getting worse. There's no doubt. That's a landslide. I like uh-huh. to try to get the fifty-fifty results. The Not te- this one. The teeter totter. I didn't want the fifty-fifty on this yeah. one. What do we got, Eo? 
say. I got to hit the button. There we go. 70% said, yeah, officiating is definitely getting worse. I thought it was going to get better with the replay. Well, that just exemplifies how bad they are because they're having to go on reviews so often. So it's actually, in in a weird way, it's almost gotten worse because now new rules... Which they have to, the catch rule, the slide rule. You got to, not a slide rule, do they still make those? But you had to uh, do all these because of the replays and we're showing all the problems and it's, you know, it's great. Get it right. Get it right. Okay. They're getting it right. And it's worse. (laughs) Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, You know, uh, we we were talking, we were talking earlier with uh, Bradford Doolittle about, you know, baseball and stuff like that. And I got a bunch of stuff from uh, Jason Stark, who now works for The Athletic. And I don't know if you knew these numbers, but uh, mm-hmm. in April, April was the first month in the history of baseball that were there were more strikeouts than hits. I had heard that, yes, okay. from, from him. In May, in May, um, just just nipped it. Hits, 7,020. Strikeouts, 6,000. I'm seven thousand twenty six thousand nine hundred fifty nine strikeouts. That's mm. three hundred more strikeouts than hit so far this season. Yeah. Um, it would be five thousand more strikeouts than a mere five years ago. Ten thousand more than twelve years ago. And at this rate, there will be nearly. Listen to this one. Talk about balls in play. There will be nearly seven thousand fewer balls put in play this year than just three years ago. Well, as Ernie Banks once said on the original home run derby, it's either home run or nothing. It's awful right now. And by the way, a long time, a one long time baseball executive mm-hmm. says, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I like the game anymore. I mean I love it. But I'm not liking where it's going. And yeah. I, I feel the same way a I lot know. of times because mm-hmm. you watch the game and it's strikeout, walk, walk, strikeout. Oh, there's a home run. Three Two hours. Run over. Three hours. Yeah. And it's, and because of all the walks and strikeouts, that's why starting pitchers aren't going longer. That's why there's not complete games. Mike Fultonevich of the, uh, of Atlanta. A uh, local kid actually grew up in the area. I think he threw a complete game last night for Atlanta for He's the Braves. Good. He's yeah. good. He's really good. The, uh, and the, today's players, just to bounce back to our uh, visit with uh, Bradford Doolittle. Yeah. Uh, a hot box running bases pickle, whatever you called it. EL11, did you have that around uh, when you were a kid? Uh, you'd get running bases? Running bases, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'd have mm-hmm. a, you, know, you only needed three people. Right. You know, you put a sweatshirt there, a sweatshirt about 40 feet over there, a guy in the middle running back and forth. Sometimes you'd have uh, two runners. Um, maybe you'd put the third base, like a second, third, and home. you get two going at once. You know, you throw it there. Uh, the runner, of course, had to initiate. But it taught you, for when you're in the, a real game, if there was a runner caught up between bases in the hot box pickle, uh, you knew what to do. Nowadays, these major league players, oh, they see they never play. They're so bad. Well, you watch, it's laughable. Oh, it is laughable. It's laughable because they never played running bases uh, in the backyard with two, three, four guys. When you get a guy in a rundown, the most, the, the most you should have the most two throws. Correct. There should be two throws. That's it. The comebacker to the pitcher and the man from second to third hung up, right? Yeah. You you hold the here. You hold the ball up in the air if, if you're right hand. You got your right hand up there with the ball, and you run right at him. You run right at Let's him. It's such a simple thing. Forty five feet between the middle, right? Yeah. And you run right at him, right at him, right at him, and sometimes you even get to tag him out yourself. Yeah. Until he declares because you fake it one way, he stops, and you tag him out. And then if he, if he does declare, you still run to the forty five foot mark. So now you got him hot boxed in double. And then back and forth. 
remember well, of course, Larry Boa. So he's a longtime third base coach, man. Longtime hothead. For, oh, yeah. So uh, I was down at Vero Beach uh, one March hanging out there, and uh, I run into Larry Boa after the game. And uh, I said, Larry, let me ask you a question. I said, you're the third base coach. I said, how come, okay, let's say that situation where a man on second is uh, round, coming to third, or maybe he was on first. He's rounding second, heading to third. He gets, but the runner rounding third didn't go home. He's retreating. So that weird thing, you know, where you get sort of two guys right. on the bag. Yeah. All right. I used to love that in hot box. All right. So the catcher now has a ball and he's running the runner back. You played a very advanced hot box no, with no, two no, base no. pads. Well, and you're running back towards yeah. third. But the runner on second standing on third. Uh-huh. So 100% of the time, what happens? The runner on third retreats. You got two guys standing on the bag and they tag, hopefully, the right guy then is, the second guy there doesn't own the possession. Right. So they tag him, he's out. I said, Larry, why don't they ever, why don't you guys ever do this? He said, what? I said, so the man between third and home runs back, he's on third, and the runner from second and third, they're both on the base. The catcher, you know, walking up, he's going to tag him. I said, just before he gets there, have the man on the second man from run back towards second and create a new hot box. Right. That Now you got the guy running between second and third, and then the man on third can break home. Maybe they'll eventually, he says, oh, no, we would never do that with the with the Dodgers. I go, why not? He goes, because these guys are so stupid. We'd rather only have one out. We'd then probably two. end up with both of them out. Yeah. Yeah, I That's can understand that. I, I still are. don't sometimes understand who whose base it is. Because remember, there was a play earlier this year at second base where the Cubs tagged both guys out and they were both out. The first guy to have ever touched it owns it. So what you do as an infielder, here's another trick. So there's two guys standing on second. The one that had first been there, it's him. You walk up, and here's what you do. I learned you tag this. the other guy out. No, you tag them both. Right. And you yell out. You tag them. You're out. And then you tag the other guy. You're out. And then you watch. And if the first guy then falls for it and steps up, you tag him. You tag him again. Now you got the double play. Yeah. Hey, let's play. You know, I got so many questions, Fred. And, and no one, no one can answer these questions uh, uh, better than Fred. Let me see how many. I got about the. Uh, 67, maybe 68 questions. All right, number one, Tim Anderson. Ugh. All winter, I made the uh, a casual little statement. You know, Tim Anderson, he's going to be the most important person in the White Sox rebuild. You did say that. And ah, not just you, but what are you talking I said, well, here's the thing. If Tim Anderson is indeed the shortstop of the future... Then you don't have to worry about a new shortstop in the rebuild, be it drafting another one, trading for another one, trying to find a guy in your system, free agent. Uh, Tim Anderson is a big relief, one less headache is a better phrase, for uh, Rick Hahn if he can be your shortstop. Now, he's been hitting the, hitting the ball like never before. I believe he's at, uh, before last night, he had 11 homers, 20 ribeyes. He got a couple more. He, so he's somewhere about 11, uh, uh, 22 maybe. Maybe I'm even behind on that a week ago. Point is, is he the shortstop of the future for the rebuild, Fred, do you think? No. Well, then that's a problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. 
Maybe he can play a different position. Maybe he can play center field or something while well, that's Eli fine. Jimenez and uh, Louis help. Robert is that, out there. That's fine, and maybe right. you're right. Yeah. But it doesn't help shortstop. No, he doesn't. They don't have anybody to back him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he the other day I was saying how he couldn't play, and all of a sudden he went into the hole and made a nice throw. Now, he can do those things once in a while, but he met, he botches up some of the easiest plays. He had three errors in the game earlier this week. Uh, in one game, three errors. Uh, he's just not... I'm sorry. He's not the, the guy you want at shortstop when you're going to be a contending team. Here's what uh, Rick Renteria said this week to uh, Daryl Van Schoen. Oh, they're all lying. Sometimes. Uh, Anderson committed his 10th uh, there Wednesday in the 9-1 to loss. But it, it's too soon to move him from shortstop. Right. Renteria said, this is great, when asked about the possibility of a switch to center field, White Sox manager said, quote, I knew someone was going to ask me that. Yeah. His athleticism obviously allows for a lot of different things for him to do. Positions, you know. It would be a little too quick for us to decide something like that, you know, meaning right now. He's continuing to scratch away. Uh, but the writer, beat guy Van Schoen, says Anderson is uh, using his backhand this season instead of coming around on grounders to his right. He is prone to throwing with his feet moving. Not good, usually. Uh, and he's, uh, but he's getting set and throwing more often, getting his footwork. He can make great plays uh, by going to his right behind second. He can make great plays, but they know that his that footwork's always been a problem. Footwork's been a problem. He tends to field everything off to the side instead mm-hmm. of being in front of it, and uh, those aren't good things. And uh, it, it should have been corrected when he was learning. Coming up in the system, unfortunately, it wasn't. I have 67 or 68 questions. Time for one more. (laughs) Thank you. Should Theo have named Mike Montgomery, Mike Montgomery, the fifth starter back in the winter? That way he would have had the 21 million times six years freed up, you know, the U Darvish money Mm -hmm. for other needs, whatever those needs might have been. More bullpen guys. Uh, the, the, the position player is pretty locked up. I don't know what he would have done, but you have to pose the question. Should Mike Montgomery have said, you know what, you're a number five guy, and uh, we're going to use that money elsewhere? Don't you think maybe that would have just saved him like the $37 million for Chatwood? They probably would still would have gotten right. you, Good but point. that's still saving money. Instead of going out and getting Chatwood, you already had a guy in Mike Montgomery sitting there who wants to be a All starter. Right. Good. And I think in a couple of starts so far, he's shown that maybe he will be able to. He gets another one today, uh, or tonight, actually, in New York. So. Last chance to vote right now. Uh, officials replay reviews. A, they're getting them right. B, they're a mess. C, it takes too long. D, those uh, reviews. I hate them. Vote now. We'll have all the results if you miss some of the show. Our six Twitter polls when we return. Murph and Fred vote at ESPN 1000. Schwarber in the air. Deep left. Back toward the wall. She's gone. Three-run homer. Six to two. Well, they're going to start filling up the express train back to Manhattan after that swing of the bat by Kyle Schwarber. And he has opened this thing wide open in the top of the eight. To left field on the line. Yellich can't play it. It gets behind him. The Sox are going to take the lead by a couple. Anderson in a hurry to third. Two runs are in. It's five to three. Welcome 
is John Dewan coming on. Highlights courtesy NBC Sports Chicago. Cubs and Sox both come from behind yesterday to win, and Cub fans cheering for the Go-Go White Sox. That's all, right. All weekend, knock off the Brew Crew, and Cubs win a couple. They can be, it could be just one game out at the end of the weekend. Wait, what do we have? A stat of the week there, Fred? Yeah, here's a great stat. This is actually from uh, The Athletic. Jason Stark talks about, uh, has anyone ever hit more home runs than his team has wins over a season? And the reason he brings it up, Manny Machado has 16 homers. His team has 17 wins. Wait a minute. More homers in a season yeah. than the team had victories. Right. Well, let's see. Uh, when Bonds hit, what, 73? Uh, maybe the Giants? Uh, His team was better than that. His team was pretty good, actually. So I, I still think it must have happened. Well, Somewhere. The no? 1935 Boston Braves, they won 38 in Wally World. Wally Berger hit 34 ah, homers. Big bad Wally. But the closest any player has come is yeah. four home runs. And this is according to Stats LLC. Uh-huh. Um, the team won 67. And Slammin' Sammy hit 63. Sammy Sosa with 63 homers. Wow. The six, the 99 Cubs had 67 wins. So Sosa had four fewer, four fewer home runs than wins for That's the Cubs. The closest. The closest. But yeah. Machado. He won't be there. No, at the he end won't of the be year. there. No, oh. So it won't be able to happen. That's good stuff. Yep. Hey, let's bring in Eric Ostrowski with the review in case you weren't able. Where were you? Didn't listen to all three hours of Murph and Fred. Let's get the results of our uh, every half hour six Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter polls for today. Uh, you want to start back at nine o'clock uh, for all those that weren't uh, with us yet? Uh, go ahead, Eric. All right, scrolling down. <laughs> okay, which rule is more confusing? Mm-hmm. NFL catch rule, MLB takeout slide rule, or the NBA charge block rule? 76% voted mm-hmm. that the NFL catch rule is the most confusing. Just shows you how big football is. People are still have it on their minds. But Fred, you didn't vote that way. No, I didn't. I voted the charge charge uh, block. <sighs> so I can't take any more discussion on that. Well, game two. Tomorrow, catch it right here on ESPN 1000. Tomorrow. Now go home and have another beer. Don't mm-hmm. bother me. Uh, Tom Treblehorn. Next, Eric. Next, do you like the MLB takeout slides? Yes or no? 64% said yes. They yeah. do. I hate them. I hate them, too. Uh, the answer is no, obviously, except 60. How many? 60? 64%. Said, yeah, I want a big collision and a leg whip uh, at second base and, and, and see the shortstop carried off in a stretcher. Yeah, I want to lose my second baseman or shortstop yeah. to an injury. That's cool. Okay, yep. well, God love everybody that voted. Next. Do you... <laughs> Hate you, Darvish. No, no, no. I, today I feel good. Okay, that's good. So do you hate you, Darvish? Oh, yes or no? That was uh, Jimenez uh, said that I believe. I think I, I think he thinks. I think that he thinks that Cub fans hate him, uh, but he never said he said that. Uh, do you hate you, Darvish? What were the responses on that, please, Eric? 83% said no, we don't hate you, Darvish. Right, right. He's a lovely man. Especially, unless, he's, unless he keeps losing, then we can change our mind. Next. Who are you rooting for? The Warriors or the Cavs? See, I thought there'd be a big sympathy landslide. Everyone, you know, oh, I hate LeBron. But I thought after what happened in game one, uh, so I said uh, the fans are going to be switching over and voting for Cleveland. Uh, Golden State, I believe, uh, was the winner. Yes, 62% (laughs) rooted for Golden State. Okay. Uh, the next one is, all officiating is getting worse. Yes or no? 
Well, it is. Boy, it is. All it's of awesome. the, and not just because we can see how bad they are. They're intimidated by the replay. Uh, they know oh, it doesn't matter what I uh, call here. They can overrule it. It's a blanking mess. Yeah, if I hear one more person talk about human error, they don't understand. Human error is for the players, not for the arbiters of the game, no matter what the game is. We don't want human error for the arbiters, the officials, the referees, the umpires. So don't ever say human error again. Especially when the baseball third base ump is not lined up on a, a catch in center field. Did he leave too soon? They're still standing out behind third. How do you line? You're supposed to line up and see the catch and the runner's foot leaving. I don't know. But what do I know? Uh, next, Eric. Um, so the results on that one, oh, all sorry. officiating getting worse, is 69% <laughs> yes. said yes. That's all? Nice. Yep, 69%. Okay, so uh, what's that? 31% say it's getting better? Yes, or <laughs> not getting worse, staying the same. Uh, we love all our voters. And 11.30 officials replay reviews. A, they're getting it right. B, it's a mess. C, takes too long. Or D, I hate them reviews. This one's kind of sprayed all around. So mm-hmm. lowest with 8% is yeah. I hate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in third with 21% says they are getting it right. Mm. 32% says they're a mess. And 39% says they take too long. I hate them. I didn't I vote. Love them. I didn't vote enough. I love them. Just get them right. <laughs> Want to thank our guest today. Great job, uh, Bradford Doolittle at uh, Featured Columnist ESPN. And Jesse shiny Rogers. He puts wax on the top of his head. He's a great. I love Jesse. Eric Ostrowski, all of his help as always. I'll be back tomorrow with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. And I got a feeling they're going to want to talk about the NBA. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.